I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. It is a JM and the AM broadcast for a Thursday, November the 1st, um, 23rd day in the month of Mar Cheshvan. And today is the day that we are here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We are in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh. Uh, we are here with our Jewish Unity Initiative, as we call it to express our solidarity, to be here and let our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh know, just like we've done in other communities around the world, that there are people, their own brothers and sisters around the world who care about them, who are thinking of them, and who are doing whatever possible to comfort them during this very, very trying time. We got into Pittsburgh last night. We paid a visit to the, uh, the vigil, the extensive and really appropriate uh, Jewish memorial uh, to the 11 victims in front of the Tree of Life congregation uh, here in Squirrel Hill. We spent some time with some of the people uh, in the area, and of course with Rabbi Wasserman, who's our host here at Congregation Sharei Torah in uh, the Squirrel Hill neighborhood where services are beginning uh, to our right. The Tree of Life congregation that has become internationally known at this point is just minutes away, and this is a very close-knit community and one that wants to, uh, the entire world to know uh, this is not what typically happens in this area of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is a very close community where uh, both uh, Jew and non-Jew alike and so many diverse groups get along. It has that small-town America feel. It has that historic Jewish neighborhood feel, as its reputation uh, has always been, as a historic Jewish neighborhood. And uh, we are here today to speak to the people here and to um, express our condolences, our wishes, uh, our uh, brotherhood and sisterhood as they move forward, please God, during this week of Shiva, this week of funerals, and the aftermath of this episode. With us live via telephone is the chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, and that's, of course, Simon Jacob, who's in Jerusalem as we speak right now. No greater unifying city than Jerusalem. And I asked Simon to join me for a minute at the beginning of this broadcast uh, just to again reiterate to this audience the importance of us being on the spot in the city where these types of things take place to express our support and solidarity. Simon, good morning to you. I'm sure you have a, a message for everybody listening as you, as you broadcast, as you speak to us from Jerusalem. Good morning, Nachum, and good morning, uh, listeners. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always uncomfortable with this concept of chairman of the Jewish Unity uh, committee um, or initiative, Jewish Unity Initiative. Uh, but I'll be honest, today I couldn't be more prouder of you guys being in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm, I am in Jerusalem. I actually just got back to Jerusalem. I was in uh, America over Shabbat um, when everybody got the news of what had happened there. I was in uh, the community of Elizabeth and um, and to be honest, all of a sudden we saw police cars, you know, in front of the Beit Knesset and in front of the synagogue. And we were, you know, everybody was saying to each other, why are there police cars here? Because we'd not heard anything about what had happened until after Shabbat was over. So it, it, it was a shock. Um, and it, 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 you know, brought it home uh, how how important uh, this initiative is to all of us. Um, we are one people, 
and 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 to to basically know that you're supported from places as far away as Eretz Yisrael, but literally by Jews all over the world. We are one people. We you know we listen in and we're and we're aware of all the things that are going on, and it, and again. Um, we're supportive in any way we can be. So one of the things I'm looking for uh, from you, Nahum, is the, anything that you see that can be of assistance to the community in Pittsburgh. I think this is what all, your, all of your listeners are looking for, anything that can be of assistance to, these, uh, to the people in Pittsburgh that will help comfort them or um, help them through this very difficult time uh, everybody is standing by, you know, awaiting some sort of instruction because we're all, you know, we're all shocked. No question about it. And uh, as you said, uh, this is a this is an initiative that again um, was founded on the premise that Jews around the world care, and that we have to always uh, maintain that message and transmit that message to everybody. Uh, we are here in Pittsburgh, and as you know, there's nothing like being on the spot. You've traveled with us. You've been on the spot in places yeah. that needed the comfort, places that needed uh, the brotherhood and sisterhood to be expressed, and this is no exception. And being here is certainly very different than hearing the news, and I'm glad we are here because of your support and your enthusiasm and our entire Jewish Unity Initiative for support and enthusiasm among our lay leadership. We're able to do things like this, and we are uh, certainly going to look out, as you just suggested, for any ways beyond this that we can help as a people uh, whether it's uh, a financial assistance or an, any type of uh, professional assistance that we can give to the community here. Uh, Simon, I thank you. We're going to commence with our broadcast, and uh, I know that uh, everybody in Jerusalem joins me in, in saying, Pittsburgh, anachnu imachem. Pittsburgh, our brothers and sisters, we are with you. 100% nachem. Please, thank you very much for being there. Tadaraba, thank you very much. There he is, Simon Jacob, who is our chairman, Jewish Unity Initiative, joining us from the other the other side of the world, and recognizing what how important it is to be here. Miriam Al Wallach, of course, is here. She and Yoni Pollock, our staff, who traveled with me to be here during this time at the broadcast. Good morning to you. Good morning. I never thought, if you would have told me a week ago that we'd be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with this edition of JMNAM, I would not have believed it. Obviously. Um, when this did happen, before Shabbos ended, uh, I was already being asked, when are you going to Pittsburgh? I think people expect this from us. Um, I always like to um, remind everybody that uh, there are small and large gestures that can be made to show support for, our, for a community. And uh, in this case, um, this gesture, not sure if we would classify it as either large or small, but this gesture is an important one because we are not only here for ourselves, we, are real, we really feel we're representing worldwide jury who are tuned in together and who are concerned together and who are looking toward Pittsburgh together and who are, uh, and who are hoping that the future of the Jewish community is going to be strong here together. And we're doing all that representing so many people around the world. I think that, if, um, that there are a lot of ways that people could answer uh, if you had told me a week ago, fill in the blank. Right. Um, if you had told me a week ago that somebody would walk into a shul on a Shabbos morning with multiple machine guns and ar- 
and, and armed with, I mean, a cache of weapons. Exactly, and and with terrible, terrible intent and hatred in his heart and in his mind. I, I would have, you know. I mean, you got to be kidding me. It's Pittsburgh. And the people here continue to remind us that this is uh, <laughs> not that any community, frankly, w would be, um, would be, uh, uh, w not every community, no community would it be understood that it would happen, obviously, right. in this country. But here, especially, uh, it is completely the opposite of what this community is like. The, the, the unity that they feel throughout all ethnic groups and through all the diverse um, uh, backgrounds that people have. And everyone living together in peace, and then this happens. Right, it's and a complete aberration. And there are, but then there are the 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 classic Pittsburgh stories, some of which we heard last night, many of which will be shared today on this program this morning, um, which show the beauty of Pittsburgh and the friendship and the and the love and the camaraderie here in this community, which is why, as you mentioned, it was so shocking. And we were privy to a number of those anecdotes, which were unbelievably heartwarming and um, and made us all emotional at that moment when we heard about um, Mincha, what Mincha looked like in the Squirrel Hill community on right. Shabbos after the shooting. That image to me will, will last a lifetime. And and yes, even last night when we uh, when we went to the memorial outside of the shul. And, um, you know, we drove directly there. That was what we put in Waze. You want to know a location? That's what we put in Waze. And to arrive there and see the enormity of the memorial. And e even though we've already seen it in pictures, mm -hmm. but certainly it is, um, it, is, it is unfathomable and unbelievable both at the same time when you're standing there in front of it. And then you have the police officers who are standing guard, who we all had an opportunity to speak to and, and thank and shake their hands and, and show our appreciation. And, you know, one police officer clearly saw that I was particularly emotional and in horrific shock as to being there in person to see what we were seeing. And, um, and, he, you know, he knew he couldn't hug me. <laughs> um, and he, and, but he also knew that there were no words to say. And at, at one point, um, you know, when, when you and Yoni and I were, like, milling about, I noticed a, a number of kids from the community. There were a lot of trick-or-treaters last night in Pittsburgh. And a couple of little kids came over in their costumes to share their candy with the police officers. Mm -hmm. and, I, um, and I said to one of the police officers, well, I, I guess... We learn from kids that life goes on. And he said, absolutely. But he said it with pride because Pittsburgh will rebuild and Pittsburgh will get stronger from this horrific incident. And and so will the rest of us. And I think that that's an important lesson to learn. Uh, we're here in Pittsburgh and um, many people out there are uh, ha have spent a lot of time, as we learned from the people who are in Pittsburgh, uh, reaching out and asking what they could do. It, frankly, a lot of people were encouraged not to come here right. because they're overwhelmed with support. They're overwhelmed by the, um, the outpouring that's come from around the world, and especially from our area in the New York, New Jersey area. There have been busloads of, um, of people, students, and others who um, were planning on actually making their way out here. They've been encouraged to 
to sit tight because of, again, because of the overwhelming circumstance. Now that we're here, it's much easier for us to understand it. This mm -hmm. is a relatively small community, as we know communities, right. being from the New York area. And, you know, the main Jewish drag is a couple of blocks. Mm -hmm. And the... Um, and, you know, there's, there are only a limited number of people who take leadership roles here, so they, they cannot possibly coordinate everything right. that people would like them to coordinate. So it's very, very, it's a very sensitive situation. And again, people would love to, uh, to be here if possible and to, you know, fill a role and to um, express their support. There are ways to do it without necessarily walking into town. Um, there are um, there are first responders to thank. There are uh, families that certainly would welcome condolence messages. Um, many of them would welcome that more than they would welcome visitors during Shiva. Right. Uh, because of the nature of their families. Uh, many of them are. We were even told because we our, our intention was to pay at least one Shiva call this morning. And we've already been told that that Shiva house um, is reserved for family and friends. So I don't even know if people like us would be welcome there, which I understand. A hundred percent. It's not, not about us. They're not ready to, to, to welcome strangers in it, especially, after, especially in the aftermath of what had happened uh, to their relatives on Shabbos. So that is, um, that, that's the situation here. It's a jam name broadcast from Congregation Shari Torah in, in Squirrel Hill. Miriam? There were, um, as you know, um, as you've seen, and as we've all been posting, there have been, s uh, you know, so many pieces that have come out. So much, as Mayor Furtig pointed out, so much good writing has come out of um, has come out of this of this tragedy. And um, there are a number of pieces that came out talking about the Chavra Kadisha and talking about um, the the people who waited to do Shmira. Um, for the 11 souls who were murdered. And um, there, again, there are a number of unbelievable articles that came out. One talked about the power of prayer. And there, are, um, there was a picture circulating on Sunday of three women outside of Tree of Life who were, um, who were clearly saying to Helen. Made the front page of the New York Times. Right. And I, um, I found that piece very important. And that picture very important. And I also found myself last night um, at the at the memorial at Eitz Chaim, completely at a loss for words, and for good reason. There's absolutely nothing to say, and you're you're completely overwhelmed when you're there. And it's also obviously incredibly solemn and incredibly somber, and and just heartbreaking. But I did find myself reaching for my Tehillim in, in my pocketbook, and and I want to and I want to mention that because I think it is one of the beauties of our religion that when we are at a loss for words, the words are provided for us. There is something always to say, and um, and they may not be our words, but they're certainly our sentiments. And um, and that police officer who sort of had his eye on me out of concern last night saw me reach in. And and grab my my sitter that I keep in my keep in my purse, and I really personally um, found strength in that in that last night. There is you and I have discussed the power of prayer. Oh, yes. and Adina Schmidman from the OU Women's Initiative joins me today on That's Life to discuss women in prayer, and I really truly felt it last night when we were there. The memorial reminded you of what scene had we been at? 
I mean, it reminded me of Paris. Right. It reminded me of the Bataclan uh, yes. aftermath. And, and frankly, th and that was e an even larger memorial for obvious reasons. Right. Um, but this one was uh, was was quite comprehensive. A hundred percent. All of the victims remembered. Flowers by the thousands. Stones. Stones and uh, candles. Right. And signs and messages and cards. And to Helen. I mean, there were there were numerous printouts and handwritten notes that were just one psalm after another after another. Some of the cards came from New York. Some of the cards came from schools that we uh, represented, mm -hmm. including uh, the, the mission that we were on from Yeshivat Noam after yesterday's show, plus you were in your hometown and Hafter, uh, the Hafter School provide, their students provided some of the cards and signs as well. And we're gonna try to deliver some more of those uh, messages of support to the first responders later today. So we are, um, we're witnessing a real coming together. We're witnessing a, an amazing, um, a, an amazing outpouring of support and generosity and generosity and generosity i mean you know we're going to we're gonna, you're going to have the opportunity to speak to Nina Butler a little bit later in the program but um the warmth the the openness the hachnasat orchim that we were shown both yesterday by rabbi wasserman who has 9000 things to do within an hour and the butlers who have been coordinating god knows how much here and the point people for many different prominent Jewish organizations opened up their home last night. And I am completely not going to minimize the, um, the moment that you and Uri Butler saw each other. Now, <laughs> Uri Butler is a voice and a presence and a personality that our listeners are completely, completely um, um, aware of, familiar, familiar with, with yeah. right, familiar with. And I mean, the both of you, there were such happiness in that room last night to see each other ne never thought that that's why we would reunite frankly right right but and it was nice and this uh, right it was so great to see him and he was you know he was personally affected losing a friend yeah. who was shot and who was murdered that's another thing that a lot of people in our community in new york may not realize or understand um there is a there is a not just a cursory knowledge of the people and and uh, you know some type of um, casual relationship with the people, but uh, but those who were murdered um, were known throughout the entire across the board Jewish community. Um, you know, no matter what the background of, of, of different people and what shuls they daven in, they knew many of them who were there. And um, and these funerals are taking place this week, of course. And um, you know, many people again from across the board are attending these funerals right. and you know, generally speaking we don't always have this crossover in communities we don't always have this you know um, relationship with different mm -hmm. segments of our you know religious backgrounds in this case it is when we talk about unity it really is unity and you see the day school students right. who are affected by this and you see Chabad who's involved and you see the Orthodox rabbis who are involved you see any, everybody from the reform and conservative backgrounds who are involved and their sanctuaries ser and their social halls serving as funeral homes mm -hmm. or funeral chapels at this point it is a really close-knit community that again a, a lot of us uh, have difficulty understanding if we're from uh, the New York area. The, the national media and international media continues to be, I, I don't want to use the word fascinated, it sounds a little too condescending, but I'll say uh, that they are um, both in shock as they report about what happened Shabbos morning, and at the same time they are lauding appropriately 
the first responders right. and the fact that they ran in to try to save everybody. In today's Wall Street Journal, an article uh, contributed by uh, three different um, uh, journalists, they write as follows. Carol Black had just sat down in the third row of the Tree of Life Synagogue downstairs sanctuary, was taking out her prayer book and glasses when she heard a loud sound she didn't recognize. What it sounded like to me was a big metal table being dropped on a tile floor, she recalled. I'd never heard a sound like that before. Rabbi Jonathan Perlman immediately recognized the sounds as gunfire, she said, and herded Ms. Black and two other congregants down a hallway to hide. Two blocks away, a pair of Pittsburgh police officers were finishing roll call Saturday morning when the 911 calls about an active shooter at the Pittsburgh synagogue started pouring in. They are being attacked, said a police dispatcher. Multiple gunshots are heard from the lobby, possibly 20 to 30 shots. The two officers raced to the synagogue and quickly faced fire from the gunman's AR-15 rifle. Bullets hit one in the hand, the other was sprayed with shrapnel and broken glass. The gunman retreated inside. He's got an automatic weapon. He's firing out in front of the synagogue, one officer warned via radio. Less than a minute later, an officer says, every available unit in the city needs to get here mm. now. Now, thi this may be the slogan <laughs> of, of Pittsburgh and certainly the slogan of uh, the Pittsburgh police force. Their slogan on their police vehicles, as we saw last night, is to protect and serve. And in this case, they protected uh, with every available unit and as best as they could. And they served, certainly, mm. at 100% capacity. Every available unit in the city needs to get here now and not to judge but we've become familiar with circumstances in this country where police officers retreat where police and again not judging right but just this is the reality Fact. that that is the way they dealt with the situation these officers the way they dealt with the situation was to to burst into the synagogue to confront the killer um face to face and of course the proof as they say is in the pudding because the the murderer was apprehended inside the shul. He never even made it outside. Right. That's where they got him. So they, they, as first responders and as police officers, were ready to give their lives, and I know that that's the pledge they make, but they, that they were ready to literally give their lives this Shabbos morning to protect Jewish people. And I think one of our themes has to, has to remain that in history, first responders in major cities on this globe traditionally, I know there were exceptions, traditionally did not run into shuls to save Jews. Very often, first responders and officials uh, for the government and for the police would run into shuls to, uh, to murder Jews. And I think that as we talk about how could this happen in America, and we talk about, oh my gosh, you know, Holocaust survivors survived what happened in Europe and come here and they're, and, and they're faced with this. And Rabbi Wasserman is going to have quite a story to tell us a little later on about other Jews who left areas of mm. great danger to Jews and came here and then came at a time when this was happening in Pittsburgh. But it still must be stated that there is something about this country, and it's not just Jews, the police forces are committed to protect everybody. And there are so many people in this country who are not like them. There's so many people in this country who are so different from, from all of us. There's so many degrees of separation when it comes to ethnicity and when it comes to background. And yet, they have this, um, what I consider to be an amazing blessing, an incredible creed to, to protect and help anybody at any time, even if it means bursting into a building 
where someone with a cache of weapons is trying to kill them. And it's really, we think about it in the context of history, it's absolutely remarkable. We also should mention that um, we too, before deciding to come down here, really weighed um, the advice and the guidance that we were given and that other organizations were given before coming down, which is why a number of them decided that out of respect and, and the fact that the community was obviously strapped at this point, taking care of their right, own. For practical reasons. Exactly. But we felt, and, and you put it perfectly, that we had a responsibility to combat some of the um, the, liter- the the literature, the, the rhetoric that was coming out of the story about uh, coming out about the divisiveness within the Jewish community. Right. And that um, that this just highlights how divided Jews are and et cetera, et cetera. And you very um, poignantly and rightfully so stated that we as Orthodox members of the media have a responsibility to tell the true story. And that's the unity and the togetherness and the uh, support that all, that that they, everyone is showing each other at this point. And um, to, to read one more article, to see one more piece posted online that highlights what is, you know, what is supposed proof of how no one is getting along is, is more than preposterous. Well, put me over the top. <laughs> I, I, um, not surprisingly, what put me over the top is a New York Times article, which I happen to have in my bag. Um, and and they and and I shouldn't say they he, uh, who's uh, the the journalist whose name is Halfinger, I assume a member of our faith. Um, he decided to utilize his space in the paper to talk about the uh, the division, to talk about these small little petty issues that have come up since Shabbos. Small things, the way people reference, you know, the way the language people use right. in reference to to the shul. And um, <laughs> even the even the outrage, and I use that in quotation marks, of Naftali Bennett coming here right. when he's involved in the whole controversy with immigrants in Tel Aviv. How could he? How could he come here to you know to um, uh, to comfort those who are in the U.S. All these different things. Um, again, you know, petty arguments and petty uh, um, uh, disagreements that I'm not minimizing in terms of their importance for our own community, but certainly was not the focus. No of what was going on in the aftermath of, of the Shabbos massacre. Yeah. Um, so we come here hoping that we can shed some light on the fact that the, the unifying effort from around the world is just remarkable and that people are, are so focused on what's going on in this neighborhood. And, we, and, and it's also amazing how many people we have found out have roots here. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible how many people that are uh, really in the worldwide Jewish community at this point. Right both the U.S., Israel, and around the world, uh, have roots in Squirrel Hill. It's a, an old, historic Jewish neighborhood with, um, uh, with that dates back to the mid-1800s, which is you know a rarity, uh, with a strong community since then. And it was always this very close-knit community, no matter what denominations you know, were dominant in town. And um, it's a shame that we got to know the community a little bit because of this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but this is how, in fact, uh, we got to know. And it's, it's, really, a, it, it's really how uh, so many people have gotten to know it over the last week. 
Uh, it's a JM the AM broadcast. We're live from the Shari Torah congregation in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As people are arriving from Minyan. People are arriving from Minyan here, and Rabbi Wasserman is going to join us about an hour from now. We have other guests who are going to be uh, joining us through the uh, through the morning. In fact, one of our one of our colleagues from the old WFMU days, who now lives in Squirrel Hill, is going to join us. That'll be a big surprise for those of you who've been longtime listeners of JM in the AM. Uh, some of the people who work for Jewish Family Services are going to be by. Uh, you mentioned that there are a couple of journalists yes. who've written uh, about this uh, episode and the aftermath uh, are going to come by. And you mentioned Nina Butler earlier. She's certainly a leader in this community, she and her husband. And she'll, uh, she has one agenda, and that agenda is to remind the world just how peaceful and wonderful this neighborhood is and that they shouldn't think that this is a neighborhood that on a regular basis has this type of uh, a thing happen. Um, you know, this is this is uh, this is certainly viewed as a uh, as an exception. But my gosh, what kind of exception it is! And uh, being there yesterday at the uh, at the memorial uh, for the 11 victims, it was interesting to see people of all different backgrounds and clearly different uh, religions and ethnic groups mm-hmm. who stop by and pay their respects and are also in shock, are also, uh, you know, th- there were many tears there yesterday from people who just cannot believe because it's their that home. this happened in, this, in their neighborhood. You know, there w- we should also, by the way, just mention that there have been, number that have, there have been a number of acts of anti-Semitism that have taken place since Shabbos. Um, there was the defacing of the Beth Jacobs shul um, in Los Angeles, right. um, which is horrific. There were swastikas uh, found in um, a pretty upscale neighborhood in Brooklyn um, that had um, been, that had defaced the I'd say the upscale sidewalk. and progressive. Yes. Because okay. th- those who think progressive means nobody hates Jews anymore. <laughs> think again. Um, it th- found all over the sidewalk, which they found very jarring, and for good reason. Um, there had been a number of um, swastikas um, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan on various um uh, light posts and postal and uh, mailboxes over the last couple of weeks as well. Um, and no, I am certainly not equating um, those acts to the horror right. of Shabbos, but I am mentioning them only because um, they deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, and uh, they are filled with hate, no matter what level and what degree things like this are done. It reminds us of what's going on in Europe with all of the different, uh, you know, you walk, sure. walk down the street and see these types of things, and it's happening in the United States of America. Mayor uh, Furtick, by the way, you should just know, just um, he's listening. Um, we thank Mayor, um, as always. And he says, Nahum always used to say the three most comforting words in broadcasting. <laughs> Doug is next. And Doug <laughs> will be next coming up here at JM in the AM. We're in Pittsburgh, everybody. We are expressing our solidarity with our brothers and sisters here in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. We're Congregation Shari Torah in the uh, on Murray Avenue in Squirrel Hill, and we'll be joined by plenty of guests between now and 9 o'clock. A very important Jewish unity initiative, JM in the AM, coming to you on the Nahum Siegel Network. Bye, she's through, I... 
I know we share family ties And all the world keeps telling us How you and I are really so alike It's not about the language or geography No connection to color, shape, or size It's rooted deep in our history It's a spark that we carry inside If we join as one today We can build Thank <laughs> you. 
A song that uh, I feel is uh, somewhat of an anthem for this tragedy, One Heart. One Heart. The collective Jewish heart, as we uh, always say, has uh, certainly felt the pain of the Pittsburgh Jewish community over the last week uh, during this week of funerals in Shiva. And here we are in Pittsburgh on a Thursday morning, reminding all of us that we have to turn our attention to uh, communities that are in need, communities that need a boost, communities that need some love and affection and um, a show of solidarity and brotherhood, and that's us in this case with the Jewish Unity Initiative and JM and AM being here in Pittsburgh on this Thursday. Rabbi Wasserman is our host at Congregation Shari Torah, and we thank him, of course, and he'll join us coming up later on. <laughs> um, before the morning was over, uh, as the Wall Street Journal continues in this morning's article, as we know, 11 of the worshipers gathered inside for Saturday Shabbat services would be dead, the victims of a man who has spewed anti-Semitic vitriol and fringe social media sites and the aforementioned police heroes that we spoke of four of them would be wounded by gunfire thought to be the worst anti-semitic attack in united states history and that is as the mayor and governor alluded to earlier in the week that's what pittsburgh is going to be known for right now for this horrific episode and for uh, um, a gunman who uh, pierced the heart the collective jewish heart worldwide uh, by um, by walking into that shul on Shabbos and doing what he did and uh, murdering 11 people. You've been very outspoken in your praise of both the governor and the mayor. I thought they handled things really well, aside from, I don't know if the president of the United States and someone in that position deserves to be, to be, how do I put it, not ungreeted when he comes to town, but... Putting that aside. But putting that aside, and believe me, I... I, I certainly understand where both sides are coming from, and I also would hope that both sides would understand that both sides are responsible for all that's going on in terms of the uh, the rhetoric um, that's going on in this country right now. But that's a, a bigger topic and for another time. You know, with everything that Rabbi Wasserman has going on now, and frankly, uh, I mean, you and I get up very early. I'm, I'm completely humbled by the number of hours that Rabbi Wasserman puts in. He has still been so incredibly gracious um, in terms of everything that he has done for us to make sure that we are set and everything that we need here to be able to produce this radio show. And as we speak, um, you know, his numerous duties in this community continue to call. Yeah. 
Well, Matis is going to laugh as I say this, but I said this to Yoni earlier in the car when he was commenting, man, it looks like Robert Wasserman's up all night. And I said, well, he's a Wasserman. If you know anybody in the family, this is the way they are. They are up all night, and they're helping people all day and all night. And if you're going to have a Jewish spiritual leader uh, in the Orthodox community play this role and be somebody who's on the front lines of the Taharas and the funerals and, and body preparation and and dealing with the with all these different things that have to be juggled as all this is happening over the last few days, he is uh, one of the people you want to be at the helm. So you are, you are recognizing someone who has incredible stamina and has incredible leadership. And I think we picked this up at the Butler home yesterday. 100%. As they lauded. <laughs> as they lauded right. the w- and, and they're pretty active themselves. Yeah. But as they lauded the way Rabbi Wasserman deals with this community and what he's brought here over all these years. The three of us are falling asleep last night. And, <laughs> and you know, the butlers were just ready for the next set of guests to walk in. And um, by the way, when we, walked, dinner. when we walked in to Pittsburgh, they, ha- they were sitting with a rabbi from Great Neck, New York. Correct. Um, I'm, men- community. I'm mentioning this because, again, you know, from hundreds of miles away, from a different background than, than any of the people who, you know, who are victims here, someone comes in a rabbinic leadership position, attends funerals, and, and, and leaves messages of condolences, and that should not be overlooked. There are um, some rabbinic leaders who have made it out here, and once they got here, you know, were thanked profusely. Again, not not minimizing the efforts of those who wanted to come but were encouraged not mm-hmm. to. But, you know, there were some who did make it and and certainly paid their respects and represented their communities very, very well. JMNAM at 8 minutes before 7 o'clock. I do want to mention, as we get toward the top of the hour, that there was uh, th- there is some news from Israel, as we know. Uh, firstly, in Yerushalayim, Moshe Leon and uh, Ofer Berkovich are going to be in next week's runoff for mayor of Jerusalem. So the choice of Prime Minister Netanyahu is out. Uh, Zev Elkin is not going to be in the runoff next week. He's already conceded. In um, in Haifa, the 15-year run of my cousin Yona Yahav, I think it was 15 years, uh, has now ended. Cousin Yona is going to be replaced by Enat Kalish Rotem, uh, female mayor of Haifa. And uh, Ron Holdai uh, won his fifth term as mayor of Tel Aviv. So he's entrenched in that position. And in one of the most closely or most interesting uh, races, and for some reason uh, a race that uh, was followed very closely by our community, meaning the American um, uh, diaspora community. For some reason, I mean. Well, because of the connection that yeah. so many people have to Beit Shemesh. In Beit Shemesh, Aliza Block is going to be the next mayor <laughs> in a squeaker by less than 500 votes. But that is certainly significant moving forward in that community. And I'm sure there are very... I'm sure there are a lot of very happy JMNAM listeners in Beit Shemesh <laughs> right now because I know a lot of people that we know were on her side and right. rooting for her right. to um, and rooting for her to um, to win that election. It's a Thursday morning. It's the 23rd of Mar Cheshvan. It's the very first day of November 2018, and we are in Pittsburgh. We're in Pittsburgh showing solidarity in the aftermath of what happened. Um, there are um, there are accounts of the uh, activities of the P- Pittsburgh Police Department and the SWAT teams and what they did in running into the shul this past Shabbos, and they have to be thanked, and we are intending to thank them again today as we did last night in person. Also, I will say the following. There's something about Jewish tradition. You know, our Jewish tradition tells us that there's no comparison between seeing something and hearing something, that seeing is, is really believing. And... 
being there last night after seeing all the pictures and all the footage and all the gatherings and the prayers and the protests and everything that we've seen coming out of Pittsburgh over the last few days, to be there last night at the makeshift memorial and, uh, with, with each one of the victims' names on a Jewish Star of David um, it was really surreal to an extent. Did uh, it remind you of Arlington? It reminded me of Arlington. Yeah, a little bit. It, it, it did. It had that... Um, it had that honor, and it had the obviously, in, you know, in the background is the is the shul's name because it's it's there as mm-hmm. you as you stand in front of the shul and it's very prominent. Again, one of these old style, um, both sanctuaries and buildings in this in this older historic Pittsburgh neighborhood. But I I found it interesting that Jewish traditions die hard. And I thought this was a very important aspect, at least it was to me, um, uh, in regard to this whole topic of how we respond to tragedy. Um, Although it was a makeshift memorial, and it was not the actual uh, graves or tombstones of the victims, uh, everybody, Jew and Gentile alike, were leaving stones on on top of the memorials. There were 11 of them set up. And and I thought that uh, that that was significant. It was one of those moments for me that um, reiterated that Jewish tradition and and Jewish um, uh, presence is going to go on. Mm-hmm. That we are going to uh, continue. Now, the purpose of the stone, of course, is to is to erect our own matzeva, erect our own permanence, so to speak, in the in the collection of stones that are on a that are on a tombstone. And here it was like everyone coming together, and not just you know speaking the words and not just you know paying lip service to the to the unity aspect but but making a declaration doing doing a physical act in showing that that we are together and i thought that was there was something about it that really hit me as being very sweet and being very uh, and being a show of strength um and and the first thing that came to my mind was jewish tradition dies hard Mm. That it's just that there's that there's something to it that in the aftermath of this it may not be the actual tradition it may not be that we're on a cemetery and this is you know how one leaves a cemetery by by leaving a stone but even here at this memorial in front of the shul we are going to to do what is traditional and to do what is uh, you know uh, what would, not expected but what would be you know proper in paying respects to the dead and I think that um, just to pivot from that is this initiative to show up for Shabbat, mm. asking people to make sure to be in shul wherever you go, whatever congregation is yours, make sure to go to shul this Shabbos. Um, it, it is an unbelievable initiative, and um, the goal is obviously to pack our shuls on a Shabbos. Where frankly, early. Right, early. Where, frankly... A, a Not week- 10 minutes before I don't know Though if that's the only time you can get there, get there. Yeah. Um, okay. But um, but on a weekend, on a Shabbos, that it is um, that your knee jerk might be to stay home. That there is a concern. That there is a, a fear. Or if you generally stay home. Correct. Or uh, that you you wouldn't necessarily make the effort. Make the effort. Right. Make the effort. This is a really good Shabbos yes. to show the world that we are going to be resilient in every congregation in the United States. And, and we're defiant. Going to, and we're going to be showing up, and we're going to be showing up early, and no matter who we are and what our background is, we're going to be, we're going to be gathering together in our sanctuaries and praying to God. And the likelihood is that in cities around the United States, and we in New York tomorrow are going to get an opportunity to speak with the chief of police of New right. York, not the police commissioner, but the chief of police, 
the highest ranking uniformed officer in the New York City Police Department, is joining us tomorrow morning in the 7 o'clock hour. And chances are, as people go in cities large and small in the United States to shul this Shabbos, chances are there will be police officers along the route. Correct. And if not, there'll certainly be uh, an, uh, an awareness by the local police uh, officers of, of, of what needs to be, uh, of what they need to know as people go to synagogue. And uh, that has to be acknowledged. And again, there's so many different themes, so many different things we're talking about here, but the, the, these two right now are really important. Number one, being shul. And number two, recognize that in the majority of cities in other parts of the world, people do not have the freedom to walk freely to shul. They do not have the, the advantage of being protected by first responders right. where they are in the manner that, w- that we are going to be this Shabbos, and that must be acknowledged. Yeah. Also, also, let's encourage everybody, although I hope this doesn't even have to be said in the aftermath of what happened, let's encourage everybody to really analyze their security concerns. Right, and I think that's part of the conversation you're going to have with Rabbi Wasserman. That was something right. that he and I, that I, that I briefly asked him last night as when we arrived here, I was surprised that there were no police officers stationed outside and he gave me a, a an unbelievably well thought through answer that I, I presume he'll share with you on the air um, but to me that would have just been something that I expected here for sure um, but but nevertheless Nahum when you're saying um, recognizing the police force that allow uh, that will protect us this Shabbos that will likely protect us from any Shabbatot to come thank a cop when you see somebody when you see a, an, a police officer, make sure to thank them for their service. If you can't get to Pittsburgh to thank the people who are here, make sure to thank those local officials who protect you day to day. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And those of you who are longtime JMNAM listeners, you'll get this reference when I say the most, the three most comforting words in the history of broadcasting. <laughs> Doug is next. And I say that because Doug Shulkind not only followed me for, what was it, 20 years or so, I would say, something like that? About 20 years. You know, I originally preceded you 30 years ago. Meaning? 1988. Meaning 3 a.m. to 6 a.m.? You were starting at 6.30. Right. Then. So 3 to 6.30 to Sunday night, Monday morning, 3 to 6.30. Talk about graveyard shift, Doug. (laughs) Sunday night. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Doug Shulkin followed me after JM and the AM for many, many years. Uh, And that's where the Doug is next comfort whole thing comes from. Um, I'm sure it brings a smile to any longtime listener. And then, half jokingly and half seriously, when you moved to Pittsburgh, we said at some point it is likely that we're going to meet up here because there's a really large, nice, historic Jewish community. We never, neither of us, thought it would be under these circumstances. These horrific circumstances, but it's a delight to see you It is great to see you. You're here how many years at this point? Uh, a little over eight. Wow, and you can confirm that this is, in fact, one of the nicest small towns, do we call it that, or, or neighborhoods in a big city in the United States? You know, it's felt like a, just another Brooklyn neighborhood to us, right. so... It definitely, uh, it, it's an incredibly welcoming, diverse, wonderful place to be. I live two minutes up the street. I know. And right it, next to Paul Zedek. So it's, oh, so uh, you're next to a different shul. Yes. And, and, and it, it, it is remarkable, and maybe this is why it's Brooklyn-like, frankly, that there are so many different ethnic groups, people of diverse backgrounds, and 
still the Orthodox and other you know Jewish denominations right here in town, and it seems that everybody. I think we knew this even before this episode, but it thinks everybody's really peaceful and, you know, and, and living nicely side by side. There's a high concentration of faculty and students from all the universities, Carnegie Mellon, University of Pittsburgh, Carlo, Chatham University. So it has a, it has a cosmopolitan feel uh, in what is really a small town. I mean, within weeks of being here, we were meeting people who knew people who we've <laughs> just met. So it is definitely... Um, it, it has a, a, a big world feel and a small world place. Tell us about Saturday. How did you and the average person find out what was happening minutes from your home? Well, my uh, beloved wife, Jessie, was um, going to meet up with a group of people who were going to be election canvassing. Mm. Uh, they were going to go to a neighborhood in the North Hills where there are a lot of districts that are uh, up for grabs. So they were meeting at a, a central location to get together and then travel over there. Uh, the central location was about a block from Tree of Life on Whoa. Shady Avenue. And we were, um, little, we were on that street last night. And um, about 10, 15, 10, 20, I got a text. There's an active shooter at Tree of Life police have told us to stay in place i didn't realize she was right there yeah so that that's how i that's how i found out i mean we don't have a tv at home so i immediately got on the internet put the radio on and um so when she heard that we we have dear friends who are members of door hadash in that building in that one of the three congregations that uses that building um the woman of the couple that we uh no, is the president-elect of Dor Hadash. And they were, the couple was on their way to New York for a concert <laughs> that they'd long been wanting to see. Um, and they, did, they hadn't known about it. Jesse got in contact with them. They turned right around. Came back. Came back. And, of course, they had been going to funerals all week. Um, so it's... Um, and you told me that you actually knew some of the victims. So I don't know if you know this, but I went, to, I went back to school. I went to graduate school uh, in 2016. I went to social work school at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, that came about through, uh, after my mom passed in 2015, I moved my dad here. He had um, advanced dementia, and he moved him into an assisted living place. And the experience of navigating social services for him, caregiving, that whole experience was an inspiration to me to go to social work school. My mother had been a social yeah. worker. My mother-in-law had been a social worker, and it was just kind of a legacy. That's where we're obviously where I was headed. Um, in my first year, in both years of social work school, students have to do a field placement where you are doing work in the field, learning um, like crazy. And my first year field placement was at the Jewish Community Center. They have a, a county-administered senior center there called Agewell Pittsburgh, which is uh, a collaboration of Jewish Family Children's Services, Jewish Federation, Jewish Association on Aging, and the JCC. So a number of the participants in the senior center, which involved a daily hot lunch, activities, um, socialization, a number of the participants were uh, victims of the atrocity. Unbelievable. Um, there were two 
two of the two of the victims uh, in particular are, are fellows who I remember always sat together at lunch, and one of the one of the great joys for me in doing this internship was that I would sit and have lunch with people <laughs> and meet lots of people and make them comfortable with me so that as I'm somebody who they would interact with, if I was a known quantity and not just a stranger. So yeah, there were a couple. Um, I have another connection, and that is uh, uh, one fellow who is uh, injured and recovering, Dan Lager, um, who is getting better and doing much better. Thank God. Um, I heard that he was up on his feet uh, the other day, so uh, after being in critical condition. Um, his wife is a, a elder care specialist and social worker at Jewish Family Children Services. And within days after I moved my father here, my sister who had flown in to help from California, we were a wreck. It was, he was very uh, in rough shape. Uh, when, when people with dementia suffer uh, great anxiety and stress, it can make the dementia worse. So we sat with a woman who was helping us, setting us up with services, finding round-the-clock caregivers, or at least people who could fill in the gaps. Um, and that woman was such an inspiration to me. She, she is the reason I went back to social work school. And her husband, Dan, is the fellow who was injured. He Unbelievable. Is, he's a chaplain who, um, for University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Um, and one of the things that he does as a volunteer is he goes and sits with elders. And he sat with my father in his first months uh, when my dad was here. So, uh, so we've um, had uh, Dan and his wife, Ellen, uh, as well as all the victims in our hearts uh, ever since. And we pray for his speedy recovery. And, um, I mean, he, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a double blow that if, if he weren't injured, he would be the first person in line helping everyone else. That I am sure. We're meeting a lot of those people helping. Uh, uh, so, yeah. That's Doug Shulkin is here. For those of you who are longtime JMN listeners, I'm sure the name is familiar. Uh, Doug followed me at WFMU for a very, very long time, Friday mornings at 9 a.m. You still do that show at 9 o'clock Friday? You're still, still doing do. it live. Amazing. When I moved to Pittsburgh, uh, I set up at Ken's suggestion, right. I set up a 24-hour web stream sort of based on my, my show and my tastes and used that as a platform to present my own live broadcast. And because... Uh, I have the ability to have remote DJs. Can, we don't have WFMU. Right. Don't want to have people have people doing lots of long music broadcasts remotely because of the technical issues um, and other issues, but and other philosophical issues. issues but yes, <laughs> that's is not a, for today. <laughs> it is a station policy. Right. I, I was hoping to break that uh, policy. You and I both. Um, <laughs> But I think everybody went through their stage of wanting to break that policy. Well, because, I mean, life... life uh, yeah, became mo- mobile. You know, we, we, so, so I realized that if I could do a show on this platform remotely, then Why anyone not? could. And so yeah. I now have about 20 shows from around the country, a couple in uh, one outside of the country. So my own middle mini radio station. That's great. That is cool. So, and if people actually go to the WFMU website, there's access to it from there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, give the drummer some. That's right. For those of you who remember Doug's uh, show's name. It's amazing you walked into this community eight years ago and you really became immediately a real member of this neighborhood, a real you know, a real neighbor to everybody. I, I don't think you can't. 
I mean, obviously, I, I think you have, uh, I do think you have maybe, uh, obviously, elders who are shut in, or right. um, as you get older, people tend to isolate themselves, which is um, something we try to help with. But um, it's really hard not to, uh, if you're shopping on Murray Avenue, you, if you're a regular, you interact with the shopkeepers, you recognize people, they recognize you, it just grows. And also, I think Pittsburgh also is that way. It just has this very small town, everyone knows everyone kind of a feel. Um, when we moved into our house, uh, we bought a house here uh, just on the strength of my, my wife's promised salary. We could never have bought a house in Brooklyn at the time. But um, <laughs> the people who were renting the house that we were in were dear friends with uh, a family who we were friends with in Brooklyn, in in uh, Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. So it just, it just feels like the world just shrinks. So, um, And anybody who goes to Paul A. Tzedek, is he? Yeah. Seconds away from your home. That's right. Literally next You're door. You're literally next door. Yeah. Has the rabbi made any overtures to you, Doug, or he's leaving you alone? <laughs> <laughs> because I, if you need help with that, you just let me know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually, we love being next door. You know, on snow days, I shovel... Mo- you know, past the end of my <laughs> sidewalk, they salt past the end of their <laughs> sidewalk. Um, it's a nice collaboration, huh? And uh, yeah, and I love the uh, just the fact that there are people. There is there are people constantly there on foot, right. uh, in the neighborhood, around. It just feels like a used space, a, a public space, uh, and it is um, yeah. It's what a, a nice perspective. It's wonderful. Phenomenal. Well, great reuniting with you. Yeah. Ne- next time, let's do it for some happy occasion, yes. please. Great to see you, Doug. Thank you, you so much. Doug Shulkin, everybody. Uh, WFMU legend. And, <laughs> and those of you who want to check his uh, uh, stream out, you can go to the WFMU website. It's called Give the Drummer Some. And he has been an amazing member of the Squirrel Hill community for the past eight years. And uh, everybody out there is getting the feeling and getting the message from the people here in Squirrel Hill that this is a real neighborhood, a real community, and one where the furthest thing from anybody's mind would be that somebody would walk into shul on a Shabbos morning and murder 11 people. And here we are during a, a funeral week, during a shiva week, saying that we are with you, our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. More coming up from Pittsburgh at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with uh, Simcha Liner here on a uh, Thursday morning. We are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the reason we're here in Pittsburgh is certainly well known. Uh, after the uh, terrible tragedy in the aftermath of the murder of 11 of our brothers and sisters this past Shabbos, uh, we felt it was uh, important and appropriate to be here with our Jewish Unity Initiative simply to say our brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh we are with you. One of the people who could tell us directly about this past Shabbos and what it was like here in Pittsburgh and um, certainly knows this neighborhood and community very, very well is Commander Jason Lando of the Pittsburgh Police Department's Zone 5. Uh, uh, Commander Lando is out of town, not in Pittsburgh this morning, uh, so we're making contact with him via telephone, uh, but he's agreed graciously to join us and to share a few words with us this morning here at JM in the AM. Commander Lando, um, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Tell, take us back, uh, if you would, uh, from your vantage point to Shabbos morning and how this uh, bucolic, quiet, uh, peaceful neighborhood was transformed into this, uh, uh, in, in, into this um, uh, area of, uh, of bedlam and horror this past Shabbos. Yes, uh, I mean, such a tragic day. I actually, actually, I'm the commander of the Zone 5 police station, and this occurred in Zone 4. Um, I just happened to be on call. All the commanders take turns on call uh, each week, and uh, I was coming back from, uh, I, was, I was paged uh, to deal with the situation, and I just happened to be driving through Squirrel Hill. It's not my district, but it is where I grew up. And uh, as I was driving right through the business district in the area of Forbes and Murray, I heard the call come over the radio, and, uh, you know, to be honest, it was completely surreal. Uh, my first thought was, this is a prank call. This, this, is, this could not be happening in our city. Um, it was a, for those of you, you know, listening that aren't familiar with Squirrel Hill, the, the business district is about probably about three or four uh, blocks away from the synagogue. And uh, I just started heading that way, and tried to get some confirmation that, you know, whether this was a real call or whether it was someone was calling it a prank call. And I arrived on scene, uh, you know, probably 30 seconds after the call came in, and there was already a car from the Zone 4 police station there. And I, all you could hear was just rapid gunfire coming out of the front of the synagogue. And, uh, you know, it was just it, the whole situation was just it was so devastating um i'm uh, i grew up in squirrel hill that is my family synagogue <laughs> my grandfather goes there every morning so uh you know trying to manage the initial situation um but also trying to get confirmation of whether or not my grandfather was in there was uh you know it was, it was pretty uh, 
difficult situation to say the least. And and he happened, uh, just for those uh, listening and concerned, he happened not to be in the synagogue that morning. But uh, as you just said, uh, every morning that was his regular place. That is his regular place. Yes. So after about, about 30 minutes into the situation, I got a phone call from my uncle who was able to track him down and, uh, and he was safe. But after speaking to him, I learned that Joyce Feinberg um, was his ride to synagogue. Uh, she was one of the victims, and uh, and she went without him on Saturday morning. And uh, and so I don't think that's something he's ever going to get over. Wow. Um, so I would assume, again, based on the background you just told us about Commander Lando, that, that you knew most, if not all, of the victims in mm-hmm. Saturday's attack. Um, I, I had certainly heard all their names. Uh, I knew some of them from seeing them around the neighborhood. Um, my, uh, my grandfather and, and my mother, their ties were, were much closer, but, uh, you know, but I, that's where I went. I went to Sunday school there. I went to Hebrew school there. I, you know, I, um, uh, actually I'm the reason I'm out of, out of town right now is one of my childhood friends uh, lives over on the other side of the state. And we, we kind of grew up in there at the tree of life. And I just, I came out here to you know, visit and say hello, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's it almost as though it hasn't sunken in yet. What know? what can what can you say about your colleagues? We're lauding them appropriately, as is the entire world, as they, as you and they ran in um, to 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 go face to face up against this killer, and to save as many people as possible, and to uh, and to do whatever was necessary. I mean, what what could you tell us about the Pittsburgh Police Department and their reaction to what happened on Shabbos morning? I, I can't say enough about uh, how how brave my brothers and sisters are. Um, I I was, you know, as the situation was unfolding, I'm watching these police cars like screech up to the scene, and these these officers, some of them brand new young officers, um, getting out of their cars, putting on their gear, and and rushing towards danger. And uh, you know, it was just it was something we train for, but we pray never happens. And I'm just watching them as their as their training is kicking in. Um, everybody there that day was incredibly brave. But I have to say that um, the members of our SWAT team are. I mean, there aren't even words to to express. You know, these, these guys um, they train every week. They go through drills. They work together as a team. So when this type of thing happens, they're prepared. And to watch these guys. Um, run right into the synagogue knowing that there was someone in there with a high-powered weapon and and he wanted to shoot his way out um it was it was just you know almost it was just unreal to listen to the radio transmissions and to know that these guys were going in there to do what most other people wouldn't and to stop this guy from getting out of the synagogue and going around the neighborhood because if the situation went mobile and these guys didn't do what they did um who knows what would have happened? Yeah, God knows. My, my, right, God my knows. fear is that he would have gone, started mm-hmm. working his way around other synagogues in the city. So, right. um, the, the bravery that, that that those men and women showed that day was uh, unparalleled. Commander Jason Lando is with us. Pittsburgh Police Department Zone Five, the zone right next door to to the uh, Tree of Life uh, Zone Four. But as the commander just mentioned, he grew up in the Tree of Life uh, a synagogue. Um, this is a week of funerals, a week of shiva. Uh, obviously a very difficult week for everybody here. Firstly, uh, we noticed um, just from our 
quick visit last night that people of all backgrounds, of all diversity, of all ethnic groups were at the memorial last evening. I'm assuming that you would confirm what others have told us, that no matter what people's backgrounds may be, this is a very tight-knit neighborhood. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Squirrel Hill's always kind of been like a melting pot of the city. It's a very diverse neighborhood, and um, and it's just, you know, it, we don't, you don't think of violent crime, you know, when you think of Squirrel Hill. So uh, this, I think this really just um, was a wake-up call to, to a lot of people that this can happen anywhere. And what do you think going forward after this horrific week? Do you think this community can rebound? Do you think this community can, uh, can recover uh, in any way um, from what has happened this past Shabbos? Uh, it's certainly going to take a while, but I, I, I really believe that um, – we will come out stronger as a community after this. I mean, just, you know, uh, just one small case in point was the line of people, you know, with everything going on across the country between, you know, police and community and the, and the division. Um, I was watching on the news yesterday as a line of office, excuse me, as a line of, of citizens, black, white, young, old, it didn't matter. They're in line outside of the police station to just hug the officers and thank them. And, you know, it's it's terrible that it takes, you know, a tragedy, but you could see it's bringing people together who um, who might not otherwise have come together. So, um, if, you know, that gives me a little bit of hope. But, uh, but we will get through this together as a as a community. Have other police departments contacted yours, other police departments from around the country, not just to offer condolences and to give their support, but also to to talk about the the bravery of the men and women that you described and how much they admire what happened here from your vantage point this past Shabbos? Yeah, there, I mean, there's just, there's been an outpouring of, of support in many different forms from all over the country. You know, people wanting to to know just how they can help, if they can donate money, um, you know, or food or whatever. And it's just, it's incredible. I mean, people that I've never, you know, I didn't know, never met, we're getting messages on our Facebook page, phone calls, saying, you know, I live in California and I, I don't know any of the victims. I've never lived in Pittsburgh. Um, but, you know, but what can I do? You know, how, how can we help? And uh, and so, you know, we appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it's, it's just so wonderful to uh, hear people, you know, that concerned and just wanting to do something. You know, we're encouraging everybody nationwide to go to shul this Shabbos, to show resilience, to show strength, to be together to show unity and brotherhood and sisterhood and solidarity. And I'm sure you'd reiterate that. You want people to go out. You want people to continue their lives and certainly to, to pray and take advantage of this incredible freedom of religion that we have in this country. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, I think the worst thing that we can do is to stop doing what we're doing out of fear. But it's just important that we pay honor and pay respect to those that lost their lives. But we have to move forward because if we don't, then the people that spew this hate, they're the ones that win, and we can't let that happen. Commander Lando, God bless you. Uh, as we think about this happening in your shul, the shul in which you grew up, it, it must be just uh, so many more layers of, uh, of, of sorrow and difficulty for someone like yourself. We hope that uh, you and the community find comfort and uh, solace from all the uh, wishes of condolence and all the brothers, uh, all the solidarity and messages that are coming from around the world. Thank you so much for everything that you've done and, and the best of luck and the best of wishes moving forward. Thank you for having me. Take care. Commander Jason Lando, Zone 5, Pittsburgh Police Department. You heard him describe 
the horrific scene this past Shabbos and how he was uh, on call and one of the first to respond and how familiar he was with the congregation and the people who were murdered in it. JM and AM on this Thursday as we continue from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, demonstrating that we have to be here for our brothers and sisters at all times and demonstrate brotherhood and solidarity, part of our Jewish unity initiative that we take very seriously. Rebecca Remsen is here. Rebecca is from the Jewish Family uh, Community Services, coordinating mental health services here in Pittsburgh. Rebecca, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you being here, and I think that you, on behalf of a lot of people, can uh, accept appreciation and thanks for all that you've been doing over the last few days. This must be extremely difficult and coordinating mental health services I assume means that students and young people and old people are all as one can understand having trouble dealing with the aftermath of this episode so thank you for all those that you're helping this week well thank you for coming to Pittsburgh to speak with us appreciate that what's involved in helping people this week what needs to be coordinated on your end to help people get through this well our team was on the ground first thing um, Shabbat morning even before the congregants filed into the JCC waiting to hear about their family members, our team was there preparing the space um, and preparing the space to wait for news. And we've been with the community ever since and we'll continue to be with the community for as long as they need us for the weeks, months, years ahead. Um, we are right now really trying to make sure that the people that need counseling services are receiving counseling services. The, everyone in Pittsburgh is affected by this, and part of um, providing counseling services is understanding the scope and how many people are affected. When you find out that people, a senior center in Turtle Creek, is to, uh, which is a uh, 20-minute drive away, which is far in Pittsburgh terms, um, is really dealing with grief and needs counselors, we're going to send someone there. Wow. The scope is so wide. Everyone is impacted. The P Pittsburgh Steelers are all impacted. Um, just walk down Murray Avenue and ask people. Everyone knows somebody. Everyone's at least said good morning or where's the milk and Giant Eagle um, to all the victims because that's what Pittsburgh is. Rebecca Remsen is with us. Um, obviously, the immediate family members, they need special consideration. That's quite obvious. And people who are, you know, like uh, Commander Lando, those who grew up in the shul and knew people who are victims, they're obviously going to be affected tremendously. How would you describe the effect among those, you know, in, in the more outer circles? I mean, is it, are they, and I'm not using these terms clinically, but are, are they... Are they exhibiting that they're just that they're depressed or they can't understand or they're trying to just wrap their heads around what this man did in walking in and trying to and trying and successfully murdering people? What is it that people are grappling with that they're turning to your counselors for? Well, what we're seeing is that there really isn't an outer circle. Um, everyone is directly dealing with post-trauma, whether they feel they could have been a target or it's a close family or friend friend. This is all of Pittsburgh. This is everyone's synagogue. And everything's so close, Everything it could have been any building, synagogue or other, exactly. in the area. Pittsburgh is different than New York in the sense that we're right now in Squirrel Hill. It's a one-mile radius, and the Orthodox, Conservative, and Reformed communities all live here. So um, 
So we are all very And each connected. has a rich history. Each Every, of the communities has exactly. a rich history. Exactly. And when you think about circles of communities, our circles are all layered one on top of the other. Right. That's one of the things that, again, you reference New York. Some people in New York have difficulty comprehending or understanding how people from across religious denominations really knew each other and really interacted with each other and really served on committees together and, mm -hmm. you know, and projects together, etc. And every time we meet anybody... Everyone is somehow connected to some of the people who were murdered this past Shabbos. Do you have enough people? Do you have enough volunteers or enough staff members to deal with all this? We have uh, plenty of, uh, um, of staff members as well as volunteers. JFCS has been serving the community for 81 years, and we have a strong counseling services program led by our director of clinical services, who I believe you'll be speaking with later, Stephanie Small. Mm. And... Um, we have received expert advice from the Israel Trauma Coalition. They sent over a team from Natal here. Um, United Hatzalah just hopped on an airplane and came down here um, to help out. And we're taking cues from the One Family Fund on how to work with um, the, the bereaved and injured families. And we're really, we're taking advice from everyone, but please don't hop on an airplane. Right. We don't need more people in the space right now. Right. Well, we made sure that we had our space covered so we wouldn't <laughs> go ahead and intrude on anybody. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca, thank you very much for joining us and continued success moving forward. This is obviously a very, very difficult time here in Pittsburgh, and hopefully everybody will get through it uh, in whatever way they can and, uh, and continue to move forward as a community. Thank you so much. Rebecca Remsen, JFCS, coordinating mental health services in the aftermath of the murders of 11 of our Jewish brothers and sisters this past Shabbos. And Leo Razamik, who is a very familiar name to our audience, many people don't realize is living in Squirrel Hill. Would that be uh, yep. accurate? Is living in Squirrel Hill. First of all, great to see you. I, yes. I regret, as I said to some of our earlier guests, that it's under these circumstances. Yes. But it's great to see you. And, of course, I apologize for not contacting you, but the second I heard the news, I said, oh, my gosh, you're here. Yeah. You're here in this yeah. community. Uh, and you're here how many months? Two more for a total of four months. So and this is like the halfway. And what can you say about this neighborhood and community and how I different mean, it is from where you come from? I already knew how welcoming and opening it was. It was, I mean, I have not had to worry about where I'm going to eat a Shabbos or Yontif <laughs> meal at all. It was never a concern. People are like, oh, who are you? You know, what are you doing here? Can we have you over? And already knowing that, I was, this is unbelievable how they're able to come together, how they're able to be so comforting to each other. Um, and I had no doubt because I already saw it right, for the, the last type of two months. They are. Yeah. Where were you, Shabbos? Um, it, my mom's sort of hating on me for it because I was in PZ and they told us there was an incident going on. I didn't know what it was. Oh, meaning Paul had said it. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, I sent, I run a group for the sixth and seventh grade girls. I had two girls. They said their mothers were there. So I sent them to shul and I just, I left. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'll just, I'll go home. And I came here to Shari Torah for the bar mitzvah. And my mom said, so you left a shul and you went to another shul. <laughs> but it wasn't until I got here that I even knew what was going on. Right, understood. Um, yeah. And, this is, and it is still shocking and very, very hard yes. to believe that it happened and it happened in a neighborhood like this. Um, and now you know firsthand just how great a neighborhood this is. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. Uh, well, like I said, nice seeing you uh, next time under better circumstances. Yes. And continued good luck to you another couple Thank of months you. in Squirrel yes. Hill and then back 
to the New Jersey area? New Jersey, yeah. All right. Liara Zamek, who's a resident of Squirrel Hill for these last couple of months, very familiar, of course, to our JM and the AM audience. And now with great pleasure, um, although, again, as I've said to other guests, this is not the way I thought we'd reunite. Rabbi Daniel Wasserman, of course, the spiritual leader of Shari Torah here in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that's where we are. We are in the uh, atrium of Ooh, Shari Torah. Atrium. In the entranceway of Shari Torah here in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Rabbi Wasserman is our host. And I say welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Welcome to Pittsburgh, and again, <laughs> sorry it's under these circumstances. That's, uh, that's uh, to say the least. It's amazing what we're learning this morning about your community. It's also amazing that she thought she had to write it out for you and I pronounce it. Well, this is, this is, a, this is a, uh, a concern of mine each time, that people on my staff think I know who's sitting next to me, and I actually don't. In your case, I happen to know. <coughs> um, we're learning a lot about your community. The words close-knit and homey and small and tight and everybody knowing each other, all of these have been terms that people are using about Squirrel Hill. And they're all true. You know, I've been here for almost 24 years. Wow. And I've many times said that uh, Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh, is the American Jewish community's best kept secret. Um, and I have said to people over and over again that, uh, and by the way, the tragedy notwithstanding, it still applies, that if you're going to Israel, I'll put you on the plate. Otherwise, you really should come to Pittsburgh. That's how great it is. That's how great it is, because of its people. Um, and you saw this immediately 24 years ago? Oh, right away, right away. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I've said many times, maybe it's not exactly accurate, but trying to describe Squirrel from my perspective, having grown up in the New York area, I said if you take Hugh Garden Hills and you squeeze every drop of New York out of it, <laughs> then you're, you're getting close. <laughs> But it's, that's in terms of topography and the businesses here, you know, and the main street. But, it, but it's, it's really the people. When I came, the first time I came, I saw it was people were genuinely nice. Um, and it's not only not weird when you say hello to people in the street, not just community members, um, but it's weird if you don't. People of all backgrounds. Of all backgrounds, and certainly in the Jewish community. Um, and people help each other, and the, and the shuls are for better or for worse, right on top of each other. My house is six houses away from Polizetic. Right. Um, and, uh, and people are always there for each other, not just this week. People are always there for each other. Well, tell me about this week. Where were you uh, when you heard what was going on on Shabbos morning? So as you heard a moment ago, we, we had a bar mitzvah. Right. And uh, Murray Avenue is one of the main streets, and so always... Sirens go by once in a while during Davening. Um, it went by once, and you could tell from the sound that they were speeding up Murray Avenue. And then a second time. And then a third time. And then a few of us looked at each other and said, something's going on. And I went downstairs, and because uh, we, uh, we had a bar mitzvah, there were a lot of people coming. Reports started coming in from people on the street. Um, our caretaker who isn't Jewish, um, looked at the news. Some of the waitresses looked at the news. And uh, information started coming in that seemed to indicate that Tree of Life was involved. We didn't know it was a Tree of Life. Was it across the street? Because there's a police station a block right. away. There's the Children's Institute across the street. Um, Coach of the Steelers lives 800 yards away. So like all 
events like this, uh, a lot of the news media give out reports that they don't know. Um, but it was clear something was happening, and in the midst of that, I looked outside for a moment, and I saw an armada of police cars, you know, four, two motorcycles and an SUV and a marked car, and I said, this is not a drill. So we just went into lockdown procedure, and I can't even, when we were preparing the procedure, I couldn't believe that there was such a thing we were doing. And when we did it, I couldn't believe there was such a thing that we were doing. And I, I stopped davening because I felt information was important. And it was most important that the children be where they, where they need to be. Right. I stopped davening. I said, look, um, there are reports, tree of life, shooting, fatalities. We don't know. Don't talk about it because you don't have any information. Let's daven. And throughout the davening, any credible information that we had, to update everybody. I, I, I updated everybody. I shared with them our procedure. I told them we we're locking the building down. That we I didn't say who, but it's we do have people in in the shul that are armed and have taken tactical training. You know, there are guys that mm -hmm. that walk around, and I've told them in the past. God forbid anything happens, don't you draw because you, you know. A, a, Target practice is not a room full of people. But we have people that, that literally take tactical training. Um, and, so, uh, and so, again, we told everybody, just relax. Stay away from the windows just in case. Make sure the children are where they're supposed to be. And regularly throughout Davani, I, I, uh, I updated them when it was abundantly clear that it was in Tree of Life and there were fatalities. Um, so it became a little bit more serious, but I didn't want to stare. I didn't want to ruin the bar mitzvah. So <laughs> you have all these considerations yeah, to worry about. Yeah, it was about. a balance. Uh, and by the way, when you mentioned tactical training, just reminding everybody we're in the state of Pennsylvania, so, so the New Yorkers are not completely shocked by what you're saying. Right. Uh, if one were to walk from here to Tree of Life, it would take how long? Take me ten minutes. Okay, it might so take other people a little longer. longer. So just a perspective on everybody's close knit here. Yeah, everybody's everyone, together, and you're very familiar with Absolutely. all the congregations of all backgrounds here in town. Um, right after Shabbos, I assume you you jump into action. So actually, before Shabbos, one of the one of the teachers in, in the school, one of the rabbis here, uh, Rabbi Admon, um, not only is on the Chavagadisha with us, but he worked with Zaka. In yeah. So he knows. So, so he said to me, "We got to go up there and start talking to people." Right. Um, so honestly, we didn't even know that there was a command center for the community and for the police set up in the JC because we didn't have our phones right. or anything. So after lunch, after the bar mitzvah, and what you had in mind, obviously, is the sanctity right. of the souls Correct. to make sure everything's done so properly. So we walked up there, um, and we began really in the dark, trying to talk to the police, to the FBI, get them our names, take these. It turned out right after Shabbos, we went to the JCC and, and Brad Orsini, our community security officer, who is former FBI, saw me there, knew immediately what we were there for, called me over, called Rabbi Admon over, um, spoke to the FBI, got us permission with him and an Israeli security officer to go to the scene and we went from there. All right, and uh, this has been now a week of funerals. A week, I mean, you are leading the Hebrew Kaddisha, right? That's accurate. I'm one of the leaders. One of the, of the leaders, so yeah. obviously lots to do, unfortunately. 
Lots to do, lots to do. And many things to balance and their family members and their considerations to keep in mind and other leaders that that I'm sure have input in all this. 100%. So it's a delicate situation. It's very delicate and there are many, many, many people, including one who just walked in, who you'll interview later, who have been working day and night just to reach out to people and to help people. How many of the 11 have been laid to rest at this point? If I remember correctly... I'm going to say six. Don't hold me to it. So there have been six funerals, including one funeral for the brothers who passed right. away together. For David and Cecil. As yeah. they lived together and did everything together, they ended up dying together at the hands of this madman. They did. And, you know, Cecil came to shul here. Cecil, he lived. You knew him. I knew I knew of all of them. Right. I knew many of them. Irv Younger had his store across the street. He's one of the election judges. Tuesday, we were going to kibitz all day. Um, David and Cecil, again, Cecil, just a pure soul. Um, we used to say hello to each other. We'd say, Rabbi, I'm coming for Kiddush. So you're affected by this as much as anybody else is? Everyone is affected by it to greater and varying degrees. Everyone is affected by it. Um, having been in the scene, only two of us were in the scene before any bodies were removed. Uh, well, four of us, but two from the community. Right. Um, Yes, we're all affected by it. Rabbi Daniel Wasserman with us. He's hosting us at Shari Torah. We're live, <coughs> JM and the AM, here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. Um, there's an outpouring of, I call it brotherhood, unity. It's the reason we're here. We, we're, we try not to overstay our welcome or overstep our boundaries. I know that there are people from around the world that are sending a lot of messages to you and a lot of encouragement and and what when you're on the receiving end of all this when you're a community leader in a community that really can fend for itself but at the same time is getting this outpouring of love what is your perspective so first that's the weirdest thing for me i haven't had a lot of time to read things and to watch news but there's so much of it that you know it it gets in and I've been having this out-of-body experience that I'm sure others have been having, where, as you said, outpouring and people and can we come and buses and messages and GoFundMes and vigils and projected on the walls of the old city. Right, that was something. That we're was with something. Pittsburgh. Right. But you don't understand. That happens for events in New York, in Chicago, in L.A. That doesn't happen for things in Squirrel Hill. Guess what? Now it does. It happens for things in Squirrel Hill. And secondly, and I tell my kids all the time, helping is what the person needs, what you want to do. And uh, people have been so wonderful, and most people get that. Um, some don't. And, you know. I think it's commendable that our community mostly gets it. Yeah, yeah mostly. I think it is commendable. Um, but some organizations have come, and we said thank you, especially in the context of the Chavar Gadishu. Right. We said thank you, but we don't need you. At 1 o'clock in the morning Saturday night, when we were communicating with the ME and the FBI, and you can imagine that so there was some miscommunication, we spoke to the medical examiner himself who lives here in Squirrel Hill, but when it got down to the guys on the ground, there were questions. We had... 25 Chavar Kaddisha members who weren't asked to come, they just heard, standing in the pouring rain at 1 o'clock in the morning, 
in the possibility that we may be involved in removing the bodies. So, Baruch Hashem, we have so many committed people, whether it's, you know, the men and women, men right. and women, correct. Whether it's the Kharagadisha, whether it's Jeff and Ziaz, whether it's the Federation, whether it's the Shuls, so many committed people who, when they say, How are you and what do you need? they actually mean it and will actually do it, that un it's unfortunate we have to use it and we mobilize before this and we'll mobilize after this, but we didn't need it. Squirrel Hill, one of the best kept secrets in American Judaism, huh? And the best kept secret in the American Jewish community. Also, it, because your your name is Wasserman, I am sure you have a perspective on the historical context of this episode. You know that synagogues, traditionally through the centuries, were unfortunately utilized very often by the enemy to murder Jews. It's no secret. And then in 2018 in the United States, we see that happen. You must have some thoughts about the historical context of that. I do. However, with all of these issues, people have asked me, how you doing? And my, I've had one answer the last five days. Ask me in a few days and I'll figure it out. Right. I haven't had a chance to think. But I will tell you, when we say Avinu Malkin, so after the parts we all say together, we rip through the end to get to <laughs> Avinu Malkin. And especially when I'm davening Nila, and I have the privilege of standing up in front of one and, and davening Nila. So I make sure to focus on a few lines. And often I sing them to the, to the tune of Atikva. Right. Do it because people were, were killed and slaughtered right. in your name. And, you know, we think, look, mm -hmm. you know, right. 1,594 pictures. A, a full poster of pictures of people who were murdered because they were Jews in Israel. There are going to be 11 more pictures right. there. These are Kadosh. Right. Mamish, 100%. Right. So you talk about historical perspective, you talk about Avarachami. These are Kedoshim, and, and in the context of the Kharagadisha, <coughs> every time we were doing anything this week, not any person was passed away, 105 years old, in their sleep, at home in their bed. There is care and covenant and respect and awe, but it's just magnified to the nth degree when yeah. you're dealing with Mamish Kedoshim. can only imagine. Finally, uh, you made a comment to us yesterday about security in general and that people are vigilant in the aftermath of these episodes and then unfortunately they tend to become more lackadaisical. <coughs> Anything you think might be different both here and nationwide after this? Initially, it'll be different. We ourselves are starting to, once the funerals will be done, starting to struggle with, okay, what do we have to do? Because, uh, again, Brad Orsini, our, our uh, security officer, gave a number of different congregations, gave our congregation a, uh, a security briefing. And he started with, you know, the chances are it's not right. going to happen well, here. Well, he's right, but... And he's still right. Right, correct. But even then, right. I said, come on, Brad. You know there was Tilch, there was bomb hammers, you know, incidents. I said to him yesterday at one of the funerals, I said, you know, you've got to change your presentation because it did happen. The rabbi of the synagogue, because of one of his presentations, he said, I never carried a phone on Shabbos. Right. I carried the phone on Shabbos, and I believe he's the one who called my mom. Right. I keep a phone near my, right. I don't carry it around, right. but I, I keep in a the phone stander. in the stander, I keep a phone. And we should tell the, the rabbis, those phones should be on. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't want them to have to be turned on on yeah. Shabbos. Right? And, and <laughs> just because booting up, Correct. Right, I keep one next to the ID. ID. So my brain is so scrambled. <laughs> AED. Ima, by the way, the 
this raspiness in the voice. I know you're thinking I didn't get enough sleep. You think she's I, concerned? You think I, she's I concerned? I promise I got enough sleep, and I just lied to 1.5 million <laughs> listeners of Malcolm C. So, but for the sake of your mother, it's right. worth it's worth so, lying. You so know. <laughs> initially, initially we'll do it. And One of the we'll questions see. we'll have to ask is this long-term. Have we crossed the line? My wife and I have discussed a number of times when these things have come up. Should I be wearing Kevlar under my jacket? Right. Suddenly that discussion is not so crazy. I always, last story, and we could go on for hours, and there are other people here. When I was a rub in Worcester, Massachusetts, so the shul, you walked in, the ladies' section was in back, the men's section was in the front. And there was a guy who would, whenever I made a drosha, would stand up, stand with his back against the mechitza and his hands against the wall. Nobody knew why he did it. <laughs> I knew why he did it. His hand was on his gun because he felt if everybody was, was so focused, because, you know, my drush is yeah, not I mean, anything else, <laughs> or asleep, which, you know. Might also happen. <laughs> if everybody else and somebody walks in the back. So this is 1990, and everybody thought he was crazy. After 9-11, he's not so crazy. After Pittsburgh this week, he's really he's not, not so crazy. crazy right? yeah. So I don't know. Good message, the answer so. is Very good I don't know, but ultimately, God will protect us. We have to be careful, but it's all in God's hands. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you for coming. And we appreciate that. And next time for a good occasion, please, God. Okay, you're welcome anytime. Thank you very anytime. much. Rabbi Daniel Wasserman, of course, spiritual leader here at Shari Torah in Squirrel Hill as we uh, do what the Jewish Unity Initiative does, which is uh, be on the spot to express our, our love, solidarity, brotherhood, and sisterhood for our brothers and sisters, especially after a week like this. Uh, after a horrific episode, the murder of 11 of our brothers and sisters here in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania community. And Nina Butler, who's a longtime friend, she, and not only is her name familiar to our audience, but of course her husband, Judge Danny Butler, also a very familiar name to our audience, one of the first people, in addition to Roy Wasserman, that we contacted um, uh, once uh, this episode occurred. And she's been coordinating God knows how many things from her home as people... Um, uh, express their concern, want to do whatever they could possibly do, and we welcome her to JM in the AM. Thank you for being here this morning. It's an honor to have you in our community. I we appreciate are usually that. such a welcoming community, so it's so against our grain to tell anyone, please don't come. Right. And that's the message I'm trying to deliver as gently and as sincerely as possible all this week that please come, but maybe not this but please, week. Right. And in fact, people should keep that in mind, that maybe in subsequent weeks it would be a better thing for them to... Yes, totally. We welcome people. We, we pride ourselves on being the most welcoming community. We always tell young couples who are moving to town and young families, you won't have to cook your first year because you will be invited <laughs> out every single Shabbos, and it's true. And you said to me in the first five minutes that we spoke on Sunday, you said to me, I need to remind the world that this is a really amazing, incredible, peaceful community. And they shouldn't Peaceful. think they shouldn't safe. think of this. They shouldn't and safe. They shouldn't think of this when they think of Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh. Meaning right. this meaning totally. the episode on Shabbos. Absolutely. Obviously. When anybody comes to visit, you know you can come to my house because the door's open. I, I like don't lock it. It's that safe. It's kinda like going back to the fifties when you right. come to Pittsburgh. Maybury, I guess they would say. Um the uh so you're in Pittsburgh how many years? 
Uh, 42, so now okay. I've reached that point where I'm here longer than where I grew up. Right, so you're here over 40 years, so you could attest to all the things that you've said with great proof and, uh, yes. and testimony that, yes. in fact, this is a peaceful, wonderful, incredibly close-knit and phenomenal community, and yes. many of our guests so far this morning have said that. Uh, any specific messages regarding this week, in addition to, if you're considering coming, check with us first because we'll guide you properly. I have a few examples of how close this is that I think your audience would appreciate. Sure. One is that um, our different Orthodox shuls all get together for Shabbos Shuva and Shabbos Haggadol drushas. We all the one? One, one drasha for everyone that we all go. We re rotate which shul and whichever rabbi is hosting it, the rabbis of the other shuls are the ones who are speaking. And we all get together in one shul so there aren't competing speakers at competing times for those drush shows. It's just because we're that kind of close-knit community. And frankly, I ha hats off to Rabbi Wasserman for initiating that whole effort when he brought Rabbi Beryl Wine to town to speak. And that started the whole thing. And it's been going on for years and years. And it's a real source of pride. It shows you the what a trend. we have here. There are people listening you. right now think you're joking, frankly. Well, that's why I, I, I'm trying to find ways to express to people that this isn't a dangerous gunslinging town. This is a super peaceful, a wonderful, idyllic island where not only do Orthodox, conservative, and reformed people get along, and yes, we do serve on different committees together. Right. We partner, actually, we have a community-wide, cross the denominations, uh, Shavuos Learnathon at the JCC. I mean, there's things that happen in Pittsburgh that don't happen anywhere else. Yeah, these else. things are unheard of anywhere else. I know, I know. <laughs> it's really something. I mean, I, I love that we have Reform and unaffiliated Jews who are listening to our Orthodox rabbis on Shavuos night and learning with them. And sure, they might not feel comfortable walking through the doors of our Orthodox shuls, right. but they'll walk into the JCC, and that's where those rabbis are for you know, their little envelope of time before they come running back to their shul for their all-night learning. We're on a... Uh, we're on a strip here, Murray Avenue, which is also emblematic of how close-knit, wonderful, and peaceful this community is. But did you notice all the languages going up and down Murray Avenue? Many of them. You have restaurants of all different from nationalities. From every, every, every country on earth. Well, huh? you have to understand, we are 10 minutes from the hospitals. We are 10 minutes from the universities. And by the way, some fabulous universities. Um, we, I mean, we have Carnegie Mellon with the driverless cars here, which is right. really a sight to see. Right. And then we are... 10 minutes from any kind of shopping. We are 10, we're, we're 10 minutes from downtown. When my husband works in city court, he can run home for lunch and be back in court in time. And you have a connection to the kosher pizza shop, so that's, oh, even, yes, so that's even more beneficial to you and your husband. <laughs> <laughs> You're very well connected. Yes, so um, because we are so close to every, to to everything. We're, we're, this is living in the city here, even though it's right. it's got a warm feeling. I was commenting to my staff that it's unusual in that the Jewish community here and a couple other places in the United States is still so close to downtown, is still so close to the center of town, and this is one of the places where that's Right, and yeah. someone from the Evo Institute Institute did a study on Squirrel Hill because they said it was one of the last American shtetls wow. because you have the butcher baker and candlestick maker right on this, you know, on the same street. Yeah. yeah, you know, right, you were at our home, so just three doors away. Yeah, you're right around the we corner. We have from the major uh, kosher store, right. the uh, regular grocery store, the post office, the library, the bank. It's all right here, walking distance, very safe. And we all get along except for this one. 
horrible person. And as the rabbi pointed out, a lot of the people that were murdered on Shabbos by that madman actually had businesses and interacted on Murray Avenue on a yeah. regular basis. So a friend of mine was just coming through from Montreal, coming back from Shabbos, and she was coming through Global Entry, and she brought me a present. So coming through, <laughs> yeah, what can I say? There's certain things that Montreal has, and I will mention what. So she comes through Global Entry, and they say, um, did you bring food? She said, well, yes. Where are you from? Well, she said, I'm from Squirrel Hill, USA. And the guard said, oh, honey, what did you bring? She said, I brought comfort chocolate. <laughs> so she said, go through, go through, it's fine. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Go and by the way, that type of scene, though, is being replicated everywhere when people hear that. And not only that, not only people from Squirrel Hill, people see yarmulkes, people see women who are noticeably Jewish, and they are offering condolences. And oh, my goodness. I've gotten calls from the person who cuts my hair. I was at the ZOA dinner a night ago. The waitresses came up to hug me, well, because I know them, but they they each had to come and express how they feel. When you walked into this shul this morning, did you notice there were flowers on their door? There are mm. flowers on the door of the Jewish bookstore. There, I mean, this is in addition to the memorials right. that are going up over um, by the shul. Right. But um, absolutely all of us, any group of Jews that you get together with in Squirrel Hill will tell you about all the non-Jews in their life who are reaching out with so much love. We have a, f a big family, a clan, that moved here last summer from France. And I spoke to, you know, there were reporters who were looking for people to talk to. So I spoke to the mother, the matriarch of this clan, uh, the next morning. And her reaction is, from, for this I moved from France, really? I can't tell you how proud I am to show her and her family, as I spoke to her family yesterday, how different America is reacting to acts of anti-Semitism. Uh. We are hearing a loud roar, not just a few mentions. We're hearing a roar from the Jewish and non-Jewish community. And public again, officials. Absolutely. Your just, mayor is amazing. Uh, all of our public officials. Yeah, your governor is amazing. wonderful just coming out so strongly against anti-Semitism that although this is horrific, really horrific, we feel uh, uh, that we're enveloped with so much love that it's really the takeaway that I'm walking into Shabbos with. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Nina Butler is here, one of the community leaders, whether she likes it or not, I give her the title. <laughs> Um, and this Shabbos you just mentioned, this is going to yes, be an sir. interesting Shabbos in town. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this will be one of real brotherhood and sisterhood and people coming together. We're encouraging everyone to be in Shul Nationwide, but here yes. everyone's going to be coming out to be together, I'm sure. It's true, and I, I was heartened to see that on Facebook um, some people are posting, reaching out to unaffiliated Jews to say, if you come to my Shul, you can sit next to me. I'll take care of you. Just please, please come. <laughs> Well. And, and that's really beautiful. Anything else you want to tell us about this week specifically? Um, or you, we, we want to just concentrate on the positive elements of this amazing neighborhood? I. Because one of the positives of this week, frankly, is not just the outpouring. It's also I can imagine how many people here came together just to solve all the problems that had to be solved and how people are coming together to, to reassure everybody in town that we're going to be okay over here. Right. Um, well, we so appreciate hearing from Jews all over the country who are so eager to get up and just run here. Thank you, Rabbi Wasserman, for mentioning the guys from uh, 
the guys from different clever Kadisha organizations who just got on planes and came here. And these aren't people who are paid to do it. These are all volunteers right. who have big families. They left their families. They left their jobs. And it wasn't for a few hours. They were here for several days waiting to hear if help was needed. And, boy, hats off to Rabbi Wasserman for getting them all together after they'd been here for days and saying, we appreciate that you're here, but you know what? Our guys need to do this. Right. And you're right. You guys have more experience. It's going to take our guys longer. They're going to have more Shilas. But this is something we need to do in order to heal. So please understand that we appreciate you being here, but you can go home now. Wow. Yes, it, it's a real special community, and uh, I appreciate that uh, people have been... I, I just came from the fire station where they have mountains of food that's been brought to them. <laughs> they the don't know what to do with it. police stations huh? say they have lines out the door <laughs> of people who want to come and give them hugs. It's that kind of place. It's amazing. Well, yes. but we've been introduced to Squirrel Hill, unfortunately. Yes. For this reason, you've been asking us for years to come on yes. out here, but it took this. <laughs> well, you made Uri Butler so happy. <laughs> I have to say, it was if the biggest rock star in the country was in town when <laughs> JM and the AM walked in his front door. Well, I got a little suspicious. Can't the hug. I got suspicious when Uri said he's not showing up this morning, but I'll take your word for it that he's very happy we're in town. Yeah. I will take your word for it. Thank you, Nina Butler. Sure, to you and your wonderful husband, Judge Danny Butler, continue your amazing role, a uh, leadership role in the Squirrel Hill community. JM and the AM introducing Stephanie Small of Jewish Family Services to our global audience. Stephanie, a pleasure to welcome you to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I can only imagine all the different roles that you and your staff have this week. Uh, and it really started, no joke, right after this episode began because almost immediately as this command center is being set up and families need to be dealt with and police need to and, and uh, first responders need to speak to them, You're, you and your staff are already in action, correct? So I was actually in lockdown here at Shari Torah with Rabbi Wasserman. Wow. <laughs> I didn't get to be there from the beginning, right. but Jordan Golan and Dana Gold, our CEO and COO of Jewish Family and Community Services, are amazing, and they were there from moment two. They got a call, they were at the JCC, they were with the families. Other colleagues of mine, Sandy and Leslie, were there, and they were there when they actually got word that one of our colleagues' husbands was the one who was shot and they were the ones who brought her to the hospital and told her and stayed with her so we have that kind of agency to begin with that we're all so close together and for the rest of the community and we pray for the speedy recovery of those injured in the attack of course um we, we mentioned earlier and spoke about the um the the grieving and the services that are provided to help people you know get through that process is, is that the main concentration of what the Jewish Family Service is doing this week, or are there many other things that are happening at the same time? For the most part, we are really concentrating on the community mental health. Uh, we're providing walk-in hours at the JCC from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day through Saturday, and again, Monday through Saturday, hopefully next week. Are people taking advantage of it? There are. There are. I actually, I was at a, a community to Hillam thing last night, and, and one woman actually came over and told me that she went over, and she said, I didn't think it was for me. And I said, no, it's exactly for you. It's for anyone in this community because the entire community was affected. Everybody was affected. You've heard from Nina, you've heard from Danny, heard from yeah. Rabbi Wasserman, you've heard from everybody how the community is so cohesive. And so everybody was affected. So we have mental health going on. We've connected United Hatzalah and the Israel Trauma Coalition with organizations all over. We've had counselors go into the Hillel JUC. We're having counselors go into uh, different portions of the JCC. Uh, you name it, we've put a counselor there. 
you have a request, we're putting you there. Because everybody needs to grieve and everybody needs to process it. Because what people don't realize about this is, and I learned this from the Israel Trauma Coalition, in an irrational situation, in an abnormal situation, every reaction is normal. Mm. But people don't know that. They so I'm hoping people that. do. Exactly. Stephanie Smalls with us, Jewish Family Services. So last night we, we pay a visit to the memorial right outside of... Uh, tree of life and i notice as everyone does people of diverse backgrounds people who do seem like residents and you can get a, a feel that there are people walking by who feel they want to pay respects etc many of them crying uh i mean this is this goes way beyond our community it seems this is something that everybody feels a part of even though obviously it wasn't their community directly that was a that was targeted correct everybody feels it everybody feels it the the sheer number of, of diverse people in Squirrel Hill, as you've heard, is, is an, an amazing. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up in Far Rockaway. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a native. I'm a Far Rockaway gal. And, and I've been here for 19 years, and the differences are huge. But it, it's on my block alone. I have the former mayor's wife. I have every kind of family you'd imagine. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And to give a quick plug, my grandfather, he expressed in peace, is Rabbi Ephraim Sturm from the National Council of Young Israel. Wow. And I just know that I remember he, him fondly. I, which is why I wanted to mention him. I knew he, he was such an amazing We didn't call man. him Ephraim. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was such an inspiration to me. And I know that he would look at all of what we're doing. He visited here many years ago. And he just He loved love going to Jewish communities around the country. He, he loved, loved it. it. He I mean, did. That was like his whole... You know, he loved it, and he came here, and he fell in love, and he met old students of his who come to the shul, everything. And he just found, like we all do, the intense love this entire community has for each other. And we're so blessed to be here. I'm so glad you stopped by this morning. Me too. Stephanie Small, Kalakavod, Farakaway lady who's now a Squirrel Hill representative and a good one. Thank you very much. Lou Weiss is with us. Lou Weiss is an occasional writer for the Wall Street Journal. He is the father of Barry Weiss, staff editor and writer for the New York Times, and Lou is a local carpet salesman. So those of you here in the Squirrel Hill community who'd like to replace your carpet, we have met up with the right person this morning. <coughs> Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for uh, having me. Um, you wrote an article, A Malek Comes to Pittsburgh. It's obvious from the article that you were very familiar with the majority, if not all, of the victims in this attack. Is that correct? I knew five. Five. I, oh, actually, maybe actually six. So I knew, six I knew. of the eleven. So a good That's number it. of them. And um, how do you explain it? How do you how do you um, go through an episode like this and see people that you know murdered in cold blood and uh, explain how it is that Amalek has come to this <coughs> neighborhood? Well, I mean, I think if you look at it in the in the context of what goes on in Europe and what goes on in Israel, and you know, it's come here. We didn't ex never expected it here, but um, anti-Semitism has not gone away. And this guy, it's about as clear a, uh, an analog as you can possibly find, because you know what was Amalek doing? The 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 in the people in the back, people in the back that the were innocence. In, in the innocence, and specifically it, in the chapel at the Tree of Life. Right. Those people were sitting in the back. They were the, the, the older people and special needs people. The people in the front, actually, some of the people got, got out. And um, it's crazy you're talking to Nina Butler about the everything else. You're asking me about the terrorist stuff, which I, of which I know very little. Um, but 
you know, it's it's evil, and it's nothing you can say except that. I pointed out earlier that those who know their Jewish history know that the synagogue, unfortunately, for centuries, very often was used to murder Jews. Uh, it's hard to believe, especially for those who are in the Holocaust generation, and there are members of the community here who still vividly remember that period of time, uh, to believe that that could happen in the United States in 2018. But your point is that <laughs> we, 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 I don't want to say we have to get used to it, but we have to acknowledge that this is a, uh, this is a, a scourge, this is a disease that's not going to go away. No, it's not. And I mean, the most, certainly the most tragic part is the loss of life. The, the, under that, somewhere under that, is the, the uh, sense of violation that it took place at, you know, at a synagogue. And <clears throat> you know, the, you're able to walk in any synagogue on Shabbat, Almost any synagogue, just walk in with the door unlocked. It's 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 a pleasure. I mean, this is one of my Sheratam and Sheratoa. This is one of my jewels. And if I can get up early enough, I, I make it here. <laughs> and uh, I try to make it for Rabbi Washerman's Dvar uh, Torah. And um, <clears throat> and you know, it's I'm a Reformed Jew. I understand very little of the davening, but I, I come here because I, a I like the people, and b I like to hear what Rabbi Washerman has to say about what's going on. We're learning a uh, a lot about this unique neighborhood, frankly, because a lot of, a lot of places that are tuned in right now are not uh, don't have the crossover that you are describing in terms of people of all backgrounds feeling comfortable everywhere. I take it a little farther. I mean, I actually wrote a piece for the journal a few years ago about confessions of a synagogue hopper, <laughs> and um, I actually belong to not a, a derogatory term. No, no, no. I belong to a uh, reform congregation where I grew up. And uh, Beth Shalom with uh, Temple Sinai, got to give proper credit to Rabbi sure. Gibson. And Beth Shalom for uh, when my kids are going to day school. And I belong here. And there's a Chabad minion that's fantastic with a, a, a singing psychiatrist that, that does the uh, Torah commentary. And I get discounted dues at some of these places. But you know, some, <laughs> you know, here I pay full dues for, for me. Rabbi Wasserman gives you no break, huh? No, well, it's, you know, and... Um, it's a wonderful thing from that standpoint, and you know, just to be accepted everywhere. And it's, it's just again, it's, I can't top what Nina Butler said. I mean, I've probably learned more about Judaism at her Shabbos table <laughs> than than any any class I've ever taken. Lou Weiss is here, occasional writer for the Wall Street Journal. Are you here your whole life? Yes. Four born years, and bred in Squirrel Hill. Born and bred. I've lived my entire life within about a you know mile of where we're sitting right now. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And you're familiar with communities that are outside of Pittsburgh, right? You're somewhat familiar with the differences between your community and the ones that we speak to on a regular basis. Not so much, really. I mean, you know, I have a Because I'm wondering if you're as shocked as I am when you're describing uh, the way Squirrel Hill is and you see my surprise when we talk about this, this relationship you have with everybody across the board. I wonder if you realize that outside of this community, it's not very common what you're describing. Intellectually, I know. That it's different in other places, right. but I just, I my bones, I just don't, you know, expect any different and feel any different, and um, you know, we're we're lucky, we're lucky to to be here. But it's um, no, I I don't think it's. I think it's like this everywhere. But I mean, I know that it's not because people right. say it's not, but. I don't know why it shouldn't be. Lou wrote the article, of course, for the journal on Malay comes to Pittsburgh that we referenced earlier. How do you think the Jews, our brothers and sisters in Israel? who go through this a lot, and if they don't go through it directly, obviously, you know, we know how often it happens there. How do you think they view 
what happened here this past Shabbos? You know, I think, I don't know, I, they'd have to speak for that, right. but I think that um, it's nothing that they're not familiar with, and it's nothing that they don't know how to deal with. And I think that here, what the response we're seeing is somewhat like the response in Israel, because they see it, it you know, it's, it, it's a stiffening of uh, your resolve and a stiffening of your spine and saying, you know what, I'm not giving into this. And um, you know, we're going to make it through. Um, it, it's very painful. I mean, I was at the funeral the other day. I'm going to the funeral tomorrow. It's something to say that you know this is what it is to be Jewish. When you carry these values in the world of you know concern for the downtrodden and personal and freedom, freedom right. of the people, and you know, Jewish values. I mean, people they respond because they hate those values. They hate those things. Hard for us to comprehend that, but <clears throat> they do, and um, you know we're not bowing down to anyone else's, you know, uh, all idols, and they present that, and you know, and frankly, the what's gratifying is in the United States, the response is so different, oh, and the response sure. is, is so wonderful, and I mean that's the difference between the United States, I think, in Europe, and um, I think that. In Israel, I think I don't. I don't know that they're surprised, but we've never been tested quite like this in this country. Rabbi Wasserman, as an aside, will all the funerals have been conducted by the time Shabbos starts? We don't know yet. We think they will be that by the time Shabbos begins, the funerals will all have taken place. Uh, you're writing for the Journal. Are you a fan of the Journal? Um, it's my Bible for many years. I've been based my whole adult life. My is my the craziest thing is my daughter uh, went to Columbia and was fighting against the Middle East studies. Uh, Do you know and, who she writes for? She writes for the New York Times yeah. now, yes. Shh. But prior to that, though, she yeah. was at the Wall Street <laughs> Journal for oh, about 10 years. thank God. And <laughs> off and on, and she worked for Tablet Magazine right. as their politics editor. She's actually, it's crazy over her time. She's been in Israel a lot of times. She was at the Rothfeld, but she worked for Haaretz, uh, the Forward, um, the, uh, the New York Sun, and she started there the day she started. They said they're going out of business in a month. <laughs> um, the Journal and uh, and now the Times. Does she know her current employer does not always do us the best of favors? You know, I think it's interesting. They they brought her in, and she had Brett Stevens, who's her mentor. Right. Um, He's on the op-ed page. Yeah, and and she's she's there too. Right. They um, I think that they realized after the last election that they were missing a whole chunk of America, right. even though they're both. They never replaced Bill Sapphire. No, never. Although, I mean, maybe they thought so with David Brooks, who's right. that, and, and Brett certainly, I think, is is, right. is is a wonderful writer and a wonderful commentator. And, I mean, they basically give her free reign to write what she wants to write. And then she was interviewed at the uh, Reform uh, Congregation a couple of weeks ago with, by the rabbi, and he talked about it a little bit, you know, because she had thought about going to rabbinic school at one point. Um, and she said, basically, I'm writing Devar Towers that they're putting in the paper. They're I mean, printing she, it, huh? She's written, you know, she's written on uh, Rosh Hashanah. She's written on Yom Kippur. Um, she's written about, you know, she, obviously, she wrote about uh, what happened here this week. Right. And she's, I think, has a decent background. And it's um, it's nice they let her do that. And it's, you know, it's, she's, there are not many of her, I would say, at the paper, um, too. But uh, no, there's probably there's there's more there's more. <laughs> the public impression that it's too. <laughs> no no no, there's more. And I mean and and it, frankly, it's to the credit of um, the publisher, you know, Salzberger, and the, and 
James Bennett, who I know is her uh, editor that was one of the two of the people that brought her there. And I think that it's to their credit that they say, you know what, we're missing something here. And they want to challenge their readers. I mean, the readers are not happy. I right. mean, if you read some of the comments, they, right. you know, but uh, she's, I think, doing a good job there. But I was more excited. I was excited she's there. Um, and uh, but it, it, when she was at the journal, it was a special excitement because that's my place. And I don't know, when I sent in an article, someone read it there a while ago, and they, they put it in. This is the first time I've ever wrote anything that's serious, right. really. You know, and very timely. Yeah. You know. Lou Weiss, uh, the daughter we reference is uh, Barry Weiss, staff editor and writer at the New York Times. He is an occasional writer for the Wall Street Journal and an honor to speak with you this morning. Thank yeah, you for being pleasure. here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. We are here in Pittsburgh, and you know why. Jewish Unity Initiative has arrived in Squirrel Hill to uh, just express our solidarity, let people here know that we care, let people know that their brothers and sisters around the world who felt the collective pain of this terrible and horrific episode from Shabbos and the murder of 11 of our brothers and sisters here in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's 18 minutes after 8 o'clock. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Achenu is certainly one of our themes. That is a uh, an understatement as we uh, continue to express our our love and solidarity with our brothers and sisters here in Squirrel Hill, Pennsylvania. With us live via telephone, keeping in mind that uh, Tuesday is Election Day, is Jake Adler. He's New York State Policy Director for Teach NYS, and uh, he is he is with us. To remind us that we have a voice, we have a voice when it comes to the public officials who represent us in this country. Jake, welcome back to JM and the AM. Nachum, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for being where you are today. I appreciate it. On behalf I, of, uh, I, the, the larger qual, we all appreciate what you're doing. I greatly appreciate that, and uh, you know, th- this this episode is not um, it, it, it is not out of context to discuss this coming Tuesday on a day like today. Because we want, I, I have been, I don't know if you agree, you'll tell me if you do, I have been extremely impressed with the way the public officials of this area, where we are now in Pittsburgh, have dealt with this week's tragedy. And we want people who represent us well and who are compassionate and who do their job well and are there at the forefront on our issues. Would you not agree? Yeah, you know, 100%, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know... The tragedy, obviously, on, on Shabbos, the best Shabbos was unfathomable. I think um, I don't think anyone can really come to grips with that yet. Um, but while while we have that fresh in our minds, it's important to realize that you know public reactions and the tone and the public officials' responses to issues like this and issues that are much more mundane than this um, are are extremely important. And kind of what comes next is also um, should be for you know foremost in our minds, and I think that's really where civic engagement and voting and and the whole the whole process really comes into play. So it's, you know Tuesday is a chance uh, for all of us um, with elections on Tuesday, certainly with those of us in New York, to kind of come out in you know in mass um, and make our voices heard. That our community does vote, our community does pay attention to what's going on, and our community, frankly, does engage. Um, in the civic process and, and wants, you know, wants and needs certain things out of their government, um, including security funding, including, you know, a variety of other issues. 
um, you know, it all begins with voting on Tuesday. Oh, it's so true. And there's so much of a difference that people can make when they engage with their public officials, when they get to know them, when they make sure to alert them about our issues, etc. But all of it starts by getting the right people into office. And as you remind us, that happens this coming Tuesday. Jake Adler is with us. By the way, Jake, uh, the One Israel Fund, as an example, has asked everybody who comes to their dinner on Election Day night to vote first. Make sure to vote and then come to the dinner. Wouldn't you love to see all of our educational institutions and all of the uh, different organizations that are going to be active with events and with their regular day on Tuesday tell their constituents, vote first and then come into work, vote first and then come to school, vote first and then come and enjoy our event? Yeah, you know, 100%. You know, there's always been this debate um, in the larger kind of political world as to whether Election Day and Primary Day should be a a holiday. Right. Uh, if people should kind of – if it should be recognized as a federal holiday. I, I think, you know, certainly within our community, our community needs to really reevaluate the way it, it views voting, voter registration, and, and Election Day as well. And, you know, if it was up to me um, – you know, that day would kind of be set aside as sacrosanct specifically for voting. I understand people have jobs, and I understand that there's so many important organizations benefiting the qual, but we have to understand the importance of, of actually voting, and, and and I would encourage every organization to understand that and not to um, not to stack the deck of, of events that day uh, going forward because it, it just makes it more difficult for everyone to vote. You know, voting, voting impacts everything. Voting impacts security and schools and schools and, and you know, from closer to home, voter, voting directly impacts the tuition crisis. So if, if we want to take these issues seriously, um, which certainly we all talk like we do, um, I think we have to reevaluate how we're, how we're looking at the registration process, how we're looking at the voting enga- voter engagement process, and really how we're looking at primary days and election days. Those are important days. Be there, everybody, this Tuesday. Jake Adler, the New York State Policy Director of Teach NYS, reminds us. I remind everybody, we'll certainly remind everybody on Tuesday, get out and vote and encourage everybody in your families to vote. Get every, Encourage everybody in your communities to vote. Rabbis, encourage everybody this Shabbos in your congregations to vote. It all begins at the ballot box. Jake, great job you guys are doing. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Malcolm. Keep up the great work. Appreciate that very much. Jake Adler, who is, of course, with the Teach NYS and as New York State Policy Director with a very important reminder for us here at JM in the AM. More coming up. We're in Pittsburgh. We're in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. We are showing love, concern, solidarity, brotherhood, sisterhood, Jewish unity with our brothers and sisters here in Squirrel Hill in the aftermath of the Shabbos massacre that everyone continues to uh, try and recover from all through this week of funerals and shiva in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. As you heard Ray Wasserman mention, those funerals will hopefully be completed before Shabbat, and this will be a Shabbos of great unity, not only in Squirrel Hill, but for all of Jewish people worldwide, as we encourage everybody to get to Shul to Shabbos, to emphatically state that we will continue to take great advantage of the amazing freedom of religion that we have in this incredible country. Make sure to do that this Shabbos, simply by showing up in synagogue. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M., one of the things we pray for, peace, shalom. A couple of family connections here uh, to announce in the Squirrel Hill Shari Torah congregation. Uh, first of all, the um, historic rabbi before the days of the historic Rabbi Wasserman here was uh, my father's cousin, Rabbi Pupko, uh, who made such a mark on this, uh, right, you'd agree, made quite a mark on this community. An understatement, Rabbi Wasserman says. Uh, and yesterday, speaking of family, yesterday was the bris of my great-nephew, 
uh, the first baby after 10 years since my father's passing, and there have been, thank God, many, many babies since then, the first one to be named Zev Siegel. So Rabbi Zev Siegel now has a real name. Say, there are many Zevs and many Zevis in the family already, as you can imagine. Thank God, as I said, thank God. But this is the first um, child who is named Zev Siegel, which, which brings a smile to all of our faces, of course. A um, couple of things. First of all, we're made possible this morning, of course, by a generous sponsorship by the wonderful people at Bedford-on-Park. It's one of the reasons we're able to broadcast today uh, from Pittsburgh. And I thank our friends at Bedford-on-Park as they continue to provide a delicious lunch and dinner to our uh, amazing and incredible New Yorkers and those visiting New York every single day. You can enjoy a great lunch, a wonderful dinner, including that 32-ounce prime cowboy cut steak, which rivals the uh, Nina Butler uh, uh, steak presentation of last night. Say it again? Just on a Wednesday. Just our <laughs> regular Wednesday steaks, right? <laughs> and you can enjoy Chef Alex's incredible dishes. Plus, I remind you that now as we get closer to the end of 2018, all the holiday parties and Hanukkah celebrations and Thanksgiving family dinners are being planned. Make sure to keep in mind Bedford on Park. They'll do an amazing job for you and your clients and your staff at 61 East 34th Street in New York City. 61 East 34th Street in New York City. There are also... A great location for Shevabrachus in the heart of Midtown. So again, Bedford-on-Park, your holiday party's got to be scheduled now. Your Hanukkah celebration has to be scheduled now. Your Thanksgiving dinner has to be scheduled now. They're at 61 East 34th Street, bedfordkitchen.com, bedfordkitchen.com. Set it up today with our friends at Bedford-on-Park so you are all set for the final months of 2018. Also, I want to remind everybody the One Israel Fun Dinner is Tuesday. We just mentioned it in the context of Election Day as we uh, continue to strengthen and want to continue to strengthen the the communities of the United States, like this one, uh, Squirrel Hill, that has gone through everything that they've gone through this week. We also remind you that we have to strengthen and continue to build the State of Israel. And One Israel Fund does a remarkable job doing that. Log on to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. Get your reservations in for Tuesday night and support their efforts. Tuesday night will be an amazing dinner. Caroline Glick is the keynote speaker, and we highly recommend you be there um, uh, for the One Israel Fund dinner. Also, keep in mind, earlier in the week, we spoke with our friends at OHEL. They've got their big event coming up November the 11th. Go to ohelfamily.org, ohelfamily.org for information on that. And I do remind you that we have a full day of amazing programming, including a live lunch that we're going to be doing from this spot. We're going to be right here. Live lunch, 11 until 12, at which point Avrami's going to take over at noon. So we could hit the road back to New York. But 11 until 12, we'll wrap up this entire trip. And there'll be many themes and many thoughts that I can guarantee you. Um, uh, that'll start at 11 o'clock. Between now and then, at 9 a.m., Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari. At 9.30, Spin Class, Pre-Election Day with Michael Fragan. At 10 a.m., Jew in the City Speaks. Allison Josephs has guest uh, Jonathan Greenstein of, uh, Judea- of Judaica House. Um, he will be Allison's guest. And at 10.30, That's Life with Miriam L. Wallach. She'll discuss women and prayer with Robertson Dr. Adina Schmidman. Women and prayer. We encourage all the women and all the men to pray together and be together in synagogues this coming Shabbos. Um, all right, more coming up. We're in Pittsburgh, everybody. We are at the uh, Squirrel Hill Shari Torah Congregation as uh, the amazing and incredible Jewish Unity Initiative rolls on. And Nina Butler, who we introduced earlier as a community leader. We thank Nina. We thank Judge Danny Butler. We thank Rabbi Wasserman, of course, and my staff, including Avrami and Yoni 
and ZK and Mark Zamek and Yigal Siegel and Simon, who, uh, Simon Jacob, our chairman, who called in earlier to say how proud he is that the Jewish Unity Initiative is in Pittsburgh today. And all of our families, we thank everybody for being part of this amazing effort. Nina Butler, we introduced as a community leader earlier, and she's back on the air with us. A lot of unique things happened this week. Yes. Not all of them sad, some of them silver linings, I guess we can call them. Yes. What do um, you have in mind when I mention silver linings? I have a few stories for you. Um, one is, um, I think it paints a picture of our city to tell you that at the JCC, um, we have walk-in counseling, drop-in counseling right. from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. that you heard about already. Right. But what she didn't tell you is that the um, JFCS, Jewish Family and Children's Service, is having assistance from other mental health professionals coming in to, to assist. From outside Pittsburgh. Uh, not only outside Pittsburgh, but of course agencies in Pittsburgh. So they have to come up with what to put on a name tag. Just what do you put on the name tag? So, of course, this is for counseling. So you put the first name, not right. the last name, right? First name, nice and big. Right. But then under there, do you write the agency that the person came from? Oh, these are the professionals that are helping right. out. Right. What do you put on the professional's name tag? Right. So it says so Bill, it and says now Bill. what do you write? What do you now? put underneath? Okay. Well, you have to remember we're in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Literally. So under everyone's name is just the word helper. <laughs> Someone walked in and looked at these name tags and said, are you all from the same family? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We have to think about the answer to that. And I think all your we are all, all of your fan, all of your listeners know the answer to that question. We now, are the same. Now family. you have to satisfy my curiosity. Sure. We were in your house last night. Yes, sir. How close is it to Mr. Rogers' house? A couple blocks. He literally. Yeah, this is his neighborhood. We bump into him on so Murray it's, Avenue. It's not we did not lately. Right, obviously, but it's <laughs> yeah. not. It's not a joke, then, that this no, is a this unique really type of neighborhood and that he always portrayed a unique type yes, of neighborhood. Yes, yes. Where were the land of make-believe came from, I bet. Literally. <laughs> yes. Murray um, Avenue might be the, the drag that he had there in mind. There you go. Another example of how warm the community is in general. Um, there were two boys with um, disabilities who were buried. I call them boys. Of course, they were men. They were in their 50s. Yes, yeah. but... They call them boys the same way I call my area boy um, because they were more like, you know, six, eight-year-olds. One of them was nonverbal, but he would hang out in his free time at the fire station. He was just a regular hanger-outer at the fire station, and I know my son also hangs out there sometimes. Um, and I mean, the firemen are so kind, and it's interesting that our fire station has been named the Station 18. 18 is on our fire trucks. That's funny. <laughs> so um, at the beginning of the Rosenthal boys' funeral, in full dress garb, the full fire station came marching down the aisle in a very formal way. All uniformed firefighters. up to the, the caskets and saluted and then walked back up the other aisle. And just they, they said they knew David would love that. And all the publicity, everyone knew Cecil would love that. He was just a greeter and like the mayor of this city. He knew everyone and really sweet kids. Um, I also wanted to tell you about our Banot Sheirut. We have two yeah. girls each year who come from Israel right. to uh, teach our kids in our day schools about Israel. And Saturday night, boy, they really understand about tragedies. They wanted to do something. So Motsi Shabbos, they put out the word to their family uh, saying, could you maybe just take a picture saying, we are with you, Pittsburgh? Could you just take a picture and send it to us? And they thought they'd hear from 10 people, like, 
in their wildest dreams, maybe a hundred, within a few hours, they got 4,000 photos, <laughs> 4,000 photos from friends and family in Israel. So we really are one people. Wow. Um, about the uniqueness of the Pittsburgh community, the, orth the rabbi of uh, Politzedek has sat at meetings with the conservative rabbi of one of these shuls, Rabbi Perlman, who is a Shomer Shabbat. So this Shomer, so Rabbi Yalka this afternoon went to Rabbi Perlman's home just to stay with him, hang with him. Rabbi Perlman wouldn't answer the phone all day right. and got what for from the FBI who wanted, who didn't know where the rabbis of the shuls were because they weren't picking up their phones. Um, all of us had our phones bombarded as soon as Shabbos was over. But something I think your listeners might be interested in is one thing we're good at in the Jewish community is cooking, <laughs> <laughs> making meals for friends. So, of course, we, uh, we know how to handle a shiva, shiva lineup of meals. And the shivas here are being handled through our United Jewish Federation, through all the donations people are making. They're paying for those catered meals. But this rabbi thought that maybe that conservative rabbi is having a really bad week. So people in the Orthodox community are making dinners for that conservative rabbi this week. It's that kind of community. Boy, oh boy. You're teaching us a lot of lessons this morning, I must say. Yeah, I have one thing in closing. Sure. And um, it's actually a visual that Rabbi Wasserman gave me that I think I'm going to carry with me into Shabbos. For those of us who have two prominent candles in addition to the other candles yeah. we light Friday night, when you picture those two candles together look like an 11. Oh. So maybe people keep in mind that we lost 11 precious souls last Shabbos. It's not even a week ago, and it feels like a lifetime ago. So I know that sounds really We haven't corny. even had another Shabbos yet. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we really appreciate your coming to town. Thank you very much. And thank you again for being here, and thank everybody in the listening audience for their uh, love and concern for our teeny little squirrel hell. It's much appreciated what you're saying and thanks for all your help in helping us this week. Nina Butler, everybody. Her claim to fame, Ori Butler's mother. So those of you who are familiar with Camp Hask, you know exactly who I mean and why she's such a prominent woman because she is in fact Ori Butler's mother. Ed Popolowski is here. He is a Pittsburgh native and no doubt a Steeler fan. Oh yeah. He's a <laughs> he's a construction foreman who does work here in our shul in the, uh, in the historic Shari Torah, and he has a perspective uh, from the general community here in Pittsburgh in the aftermath of the Shabbos attack that took 11 of our brothers and sisters. Ed, thank you for being here. No problem. Tell me about the reaction of the community in general to what happened on Shabbos here in Pittsburgh. Shocking. Very shocking. Never expected it here. No, huh? no it, it's disturbing. It is. Are people, I don't know, afraid to gather, afraid to go to work, afraid to leave their homes how would you describe it i think they did their morning and they're just moving on uh to me you can't you can't dwell on it you got to move on i it is shocking and disturbing but you have to let it go too tell me about the relationship between the jewish and non-jewish community in this town i there's no problem whatever whatsoever everyone seems to get along huh? oh yeah yeah because we've been talking about brotherhood and sisterhood in our context because we speak mostly to a Jewish audience, but you would say there's a real brotherhood here among everybody. Oh, yeah. This brought a lot of people together. 
unfortunately it had to be that way but it brought a lot of people out and during the visuals and all that was it surprising to you that members of the Pittsburgh Steelers came out the way they did no. to be part of this are they no. viewed as real mm-hmm. members of the community yeah because in New York, I don't know if we would have that type of reaction from our sports teams, frankly. But it seems your teams feel like they're... They're part of the community, just like everybody else. It's pretty remarkable. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins also have yes. to be recognized. I don't know if you're a hockey fan. Oh, big time. Oh, are you? Okay, right. good. So I'm comfortable speaking to you about it. <laughs> Not all the football people are big hockey people. Uh, yeah. But they also have to be commended because they saluted our oh, yeah. community and, and they saluted the, you know, the, uh, the topic of hate. Uh, not saluted, but they, they made sure to address the topic of hate and what they wore, and they were there uh, both at home and on the road for our mm-hmm. community, which is pretty amazing. Yes. So it's like small town USA, but with a big name. Exactly. It's and pretty Pittsburgh's a very small town, but big in nature. Yeah, big in nature, and I'll tell you, it really has a big reputation nationwide. I can oh, tell you yes. that much. Yes. Everyone talks about Pittsburgh and how incredible it is. Ed, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, no problem. A real pleasure, and nice I really appreciate it. A pleasure meeting you. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM on a uh, Thursday morning broadcast with a reminder that we will be back here at the Shul at 11 a.m. Eastern time for the very first hour of our live lunch with our perspective and retrospective on some of the things and conversations that we had here. We met a lot of very interesting people and were taught a lot of lessons this morning. Uh, in addition to which, we have a full schedule, the Thursday schedule that you're used to uh, here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network with Charlie Harari and then spin class with Michael Fragan and then Allison Josephs, who, whose guest this morning will be Jonathan Greenstein of the Judaica House. And uh, then That's Life with Miriam L. Wallach, Women and Prayer with Rebetzin Dr. Adina Schmidman. That'll be the topic, Women and Prayer, as we encourage everybody all around the, um, all around the country to be in shul. This coming shop is 11 o'clock from here, 11 a.m. Eastern time from here. Our live lunch, literally live, 11 until 12. And then Avrami will be live from noon until 1 o'clock as we head back to New York City. More coming up. We're at the Shari Torah Congregation, hosted by Rabbi Wasserman on a very special Jewish Unity Initiative, Jam and the M Thursday. Keep it right here at the Nachum Siegel Network.
JM in the AM, Thursday morning. Tomorrow, what I would call, I don't know, a regular Friday? Not really. It's not going to be a regular Friday. It's going to be an Arab Shabbos, the first Shabbos after the massacre here in Squirrel Hill. Uh, it's also going to be a Friday where the chief of police, not the police commissioner, but the chief of police, the highest uniformed officer in the New York City Police Department, is going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow to discuss safety, security, and reassure everybody that based on what he knows in the NYPD and based on what he knows from from uh, police departments around the country, thank God we should enjoy, please God, we should enjoy a safe, secure Shabbos coming up everywhere, no matter where we are. So we'll talk about that. Also, we have the uh, um, weekly update. Malcolm Honline, who was here earlier in the week, we're here today, Thursday. He was here, I think, Sunday, uh, earlier in the week in Pittsburgh. Uh, he'll join us, and of course, we'll talk about uh, this story, which I'm sure will dominate the weekly update and many other stories as well, including all the elections in Israel. Miriam L. Wallach is here and has a an update on what's happening on the NSN app. I just want to read a couple of app comments before the show closes. Uh, we had uh, Schwiger, who I think is Sina, right? Yeah. Schwiger 1 writes, Boker Tovin Kola Kavod for always stepping up to the plate without hesitation to show solidarity with those who need it most. Going to be an amazing morning. And I would say, Sina, yes, thank God it really has been an amazing morning. Mayor Fertig wrote, we can't all visit Pittsburgh now, each for our own reasons, and more importantly, for the reasons you just discussed, the wishes of the families and the limitations on the community's infrastructure. And that's why I appreciate that you made the trip. I feel like you are representing all of us who can't be there. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you, Mayor. Miami Harry writes, Nahum, thank you for posting your Pittsburgh visit on Facebook. I'm currently in Shloshim for my mother, so I haven't been tuned in. But your show and presentation is phenomenal. You, you True unity by a true unifier. May you continue to go from strength to strength. May we only know smachot in the future. M.H. Dauber wrote, great idea and an amazing broadcast from Pittsburgh. As you say, anachnu imachem. And, of course, Adam Joe writes, amazing. <laughs> you can always count on Adam Joe. For we appreciate everything. Oh, and Devorah Saban. I'm sorry, I skipped this one. Devorah Saban. From Israel. Had written, I was touched to see the U.S. flag and the Israeli flag projected onto the old city walls with the words, Pittsburgh, we stand with you. That was amazing. Yes. We referenced it earlier. That was amazing. Um, the Rabbi IJF from Atlanta, who's ah, been posting a lot. Yeah. He writes, Atlanta Jewish Academy, and indeed all of Atlanta stands with our family in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And as we always say, if it's an out-of-town community, they must know each other. So I'm sure Pittsburgh, I'm just kidding, of course. But right. From I the thought New, we were not kidding. I know, but okay. from the New York perspective, <laughs> we have to toss that in. Uh, but to Atlanta's credit, they are associated with a lot of other out-of-town right. communities, as they are the Jewish capital of the South. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I want to thank all of our guests. A lot of very special guests today. I want to thank Doug Shulkin. Those of you who are old WFMU listeners, Doug used to follow me every single Friday for years and years, and now he lives right next to Paul Eight Sedek here in Squirrel Hill. And boy, did he give us a perspective, as did so many other people. Big thank you to Rabbi Wasserman, of course, not just for joining us, but for hosting us. At 11 a.m., we'll be live from here. At 11 a.m., we are live with a complete wrap-up of this trip. 11 a.m. until noon, we are live with a complete wrap-up of this trip from the shul, from Shari Torah. Until then, of course, Charlie Harari and then uh, Michael Fragan and then Allison Josephs, and then Miriam L. Wallach. Then we continue live at 11 a.m., and then Avrami will wrap up the live lunch for this Erev Shabbos starting at 12 noon 
Eastern Time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, everybody, for all the wonderful comments. Make sure to be tuned in tomorrow morning for the weekly update and so much more. Tell that Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Thank you.